My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Damn right. And it is episode 108 today, and it is our WWE Network Review Roundup, where we watch 205 Live, NXT Update, and of course we've got the news as well. I just want to start off with my favourite news story of this past month, and Kurt Hawkins is my new favourite wrestler. Now, now, me and Dan are going to do the Twitter exchange between the both of them. Dan will play Mojo, well, and I will play Kurt Hawkins. So, Dan, you're up first, mate. <laughs> oh, sorry. I can't stop. Being an awful wrestler? Trust me, we all know. It's a known fact that I was traded for Jinder Mahal in a superstar shake-up. You might as well just hand the title over. Bro. Nah, bruh. Everyone on WWE Smackdown Live knows we traded you for Raw's toaster oven. We also had to pay them cash to take you. You literally only exist because you're friends with Rob Gronsky. <laughs> Patiently waiting. Take two weeks off and quit. £500, maxing out the bar, quadruple bands to maximise resistance, no music, get the job done. Hey, I'm pretty sure there's a room with a bunch of wrestling rings in there at the Performance Centre. Why don't you spend some time in there instead? I do, bro. You didn't see me training in the rings? Or were you too busy losing on WWE NXT yesterday? So, Kurt Hawkins there basically schooling Mojo Rawley, telling us what we all know, that he's not good enough. The only reason he's there is because he's friends with the guy who was at WrestleMania as well, the NFL guy. Awful wrestler. Hey, Kurt Hawkins, it's about time someone stood up to him, Dan, isn't it, you know? It is about time, yes. I mean, they've, they must have been listening to your pleas. <laughs> so, we're going to start off with our 205 Live catch-up. And it is episode 26, the 23rd of May. Dan, how did we start it? Well, and Kendrick started the show with an excellent video package running through Akira Tozawa's career and telling the story of their paths crossing through his eyes. He talks about being disrespected and still trying to teach Tozawa lessons. He had him beaten in their match, but Tozawa rolled him up. But he is the man with the plan, and he had at least one last lesson and it just happened to involve stomping on his hand, stomping his hand into the steps. Yeah, and that's what we saw when we were there live as well, the attack that Kendrick had on Akira Tazara. But Cedric Alexander's return tonight was also hyped alongside the main event of Kendrick versus Tazawa. Uh, so hopefully tonight we will get, you know what I mean, an end to uh, everything that we, uh, we have seen in the Brian Kendrick Tazawa feud. Rich Swan came out dancing and we got shots of fans grooving to his theme. And then Davari came down looking slick in his shirt out of the Rock's early 2000s. We saw Swan prank Davari with a gift covering in powder last week leading to this match. Yeah, so in the match, Rich Swan did defeat Davari. Davari yelled that he owned a shirt and he got a drop kick to the jaw instead. Great, now he needs a new shirt and crown on his tooth. 
Thon hit another drop kick off a tumbling exchange, and Davari attacked the arm with an arm lock and a divorce court co-breaker and a grounded co- cobra clutch. Swan then drop kicked him into a six-one-nine position, punched away mid ring before hitting the somersault famouser. Swan kicked Davari's face off for a near fall before a phoenix splash ended it. This was a short but good match. And then Noam Dar or Noam Dar. <laughs> Noam Dar. No, Noam Dar. <laughs> How long have you been doing this for? Yeah, he attacked Swan after the match and paraded around with Alicia Fox. Uh, Austin Aries and Neville was hyped for the Extreme Rules show uh, by showing their WrestleMania match and then Neville cheating to retain at payback as we saw pushing her free before concluding with last week's 205 Live attack and the knee bar and last night's win by Aries and subsequent Rings of Saturn by Neville. Up next, Corey Graves interviewed Neville and Aries via satellite. Using Neville's ears, I presume. <laughs> Neville talked about defeating everyone, including Aries, twice. Aries said he's disillusional and he won the last match by DQ and said the WWE Universe sees now as the time for Aries to win the title. Yeah, and Aries recapped Aries recap the cheating by Neville at WrestleMania and then Neville pulling the ref. Neville called it a fairy tale and said he won't be held responsible for what happens at Extreme Rules. Uh, Alexander then came back to no reaction at all to face Johnny Boondan. Who? A local competitor. <laughs> yeah, local competitor, yeah. Cedric Alexander defeated Johnny Boone. Alexander caught Boone's foot and landed a nasty back elbow. He followed it up with a springboard heart attack and ended it with a lumbar check. Short and sweet. Yes, and up next, Drew Gallop. Up next, Drew Gulak was shown beating up the stuff rally last week. He was then shown with a green screen saying that Cruiserweights are some of the best technical wrestlers and mock lows who flipped. All righty. Next up, main event. Akira Tozawa versus Brian Kendrick in a street fight. Yes, so here we go. We've just seen both men come out and straight away, Kendrick showing his veteran style here going to the outside. What's he looking to get? Going to go and get some balls, but he got ended up with a suicide dive from Akira Tozawa. And Tozawa there. Ah! 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 ah. <laughs> Trying to get the crowd on his side. I mean, what have you thought of the feud between Tozawa and Kendrick? Um... Apart from it going on for a very, very long time, it's it's not been too bad. I mean, you know, we're up to episode 26 now, and I think for 20 of them episodes, they've been in a feud. So, you yeah. know, it has been going on for a long time. There are other competitors now, you know, other wrestlers starting to get their names in, and I think it's about time that they change up and go their own separate yeah. ways. It, no, it's definitely right. Yeah, you're definitely right. It's the longest mini feud they've had. We've had a few of them, haven't we? You know, like the Dar and Alexander slash Rich Swan feud that we're getting now. And also the other ones as well that have finished. But this one's gone on for a long time. And I think, yeah, Tazara needs a decisive victory over Kendrick here tonight, doesn't he, really? He to kind of yeah. to end things as we see Tazara on the attack early on, hip-tossing Kendrick on the announce. He doesn't care for his... Uh, <laughs> doesn't care nah. for Kendrick. But do you blame him? Like I say, all the lessons handed out. So what does Tazara need to do if he wants to win this one tonight? Um, well, you know, he needs to... Keep in his mind the lessons he's been taught by Kendrick and, you know, the ways that Kendrick can beat him or cheat to beat him. And, of course, it is an extreme rules match. So, you know, it's he needs to use that to his advantage yeah, as well. Yeah, but who does the extreme rules, do you think it would be the Kendrick over Tazar? Well, I mean, Kendrick, you know, he's a bit more of a WWE ring veteran, so it probably would go a bit more in his favour. Yeah, I'm sure the shortcuts. As we see there, Kendrick looking to block... That uh, shot, but 
Unfortunately, he failed with that, didn't he? Yeah, well, Kendrick's not even managed to get out of his jacket yet. Desire with a big right hand, and now Kendrick on the apron. What's Desire going to do? Oh, Tassawa goes towards Kendrick, but gets low bridge to the outside, and both men go tumbling to the very, very, very thin mat on the outside. Yeah, it's basically concrete that they're falling on, you know, here on 205 Live as well. Tazawa, oh, that was nice. Havakamala now, sending for Oh, and follows up with a big elbow, and Kendrick's gone down to the thin mats again. Well, this, is all... this is what Tazawa was trying to do before, I think. And this is all Tazawa as well. Oh, but as he went for the suicide dive, that jacket finally did come off. Distracting Tazawa. It did indeed. Oh, oh, fucking hell. And Tazawa gets suplexed to the thin mats below. You know, we just mentioned how thin their mats are. <laughs> we don't, I don't think we have concrete. to mention how thin those mats are. <laughs> they are. They are hardly anything. It's about A4 paper there. But yeah, lovely suplex by Kendrick, hanging them up. And now Kendrick's looking to uh, stay in control here as well. But I mean, Tazawa, though, I would say he's one of the most popular guys on 205 Live, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, fan reaction-wise. Yeah, though. you know, you've got him and Jack Gallagher and obviously Austin Aries, who's uh, got his way back into it. And now that ring road, ring tape is uh, Kendrick's going to try and use it to his advantage. What's he going to do? Try and tie Tazara up, maybe. Tazara desperately trying to fight out of this. Oof. Oh, but runs into a big boot from Kendrick and he's <laughs> back on the deck. You see the look in Tazara, the faraway look in his eyes. It might have knocked him silly. And now Kendrick with that tape. Oh, there we go. Oh, he put tape around his arm, but it didn't hold. But he put it around his mouth as well. I guess to, yes, stop... to stop him talking. Yeah, stop the breathing as well, make it more difficult. Tazawa's face has turned red. And Tazawa's struggling to get away. He's got the captain's hook locked in, but Tazawa fighting out of it, using the ropes to pick himself up. Oh, for a slice of bread. Oh, but gets thrown to the outside by Tazawa and lands face first onto the mat. <laughs> So, yeah, Kendrick's all right. He landed, like we said, he landed with face, so he's well protected with that one. But Tazawa there, still reeling from his earlier onslaught from Kendrick. <clears throat> trying to just get his breath back now. Despite this rivalry going on for a while, I don't quite see too much fluidity between the two, you know. For, for a couple of wrestlers that have gone against each other day in, day out for... A good few months now, you know. It's, they don't seem as fluid as they yeah. should be. No, that's an excellent point. Yeah, as we're seeing now, it's a little bit disjointed, isn't it? You know, I know it's a, I know it is a street fight, but like you say, the chemistry's not really there. Even though in the storyline it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And it should really pay off in that way, but it's just kind of not working. Maybe Kendrick versus TJ Perkins or something like that in that style. But now they're both men fighting up to the apron, right? Oh, Tazara tries Irish whipping. Kendrick into the uh, what's that? The LCD screen, but Kendrick reverses it and throws Tazara into it. Yeah, they walk up the entrance way onto the stage, and yeah, there's just huge screens there now. It's a SmackDown 205 set, isn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, like, those things are dangerous. They break. It's like glass, isn't it? Kendrick now bringing Tazara back. Got him in that kind of front face lock as well. And you see Kendrick. A proper veteran he is. Not just holding him there, is he? He's got his fingers deep into his nose and yeah, eyes. he's hooking his nose. And then face first into the stairs, Tazawa goes. When Kendrick's had Tazawa's number, pretty much, you know, aside from the, the early onslaught from uh, from Tazawa, Kendrick's had Tazawa's number throughout this match. Yeah. Still teaching him lessons, I say. Uh, I would say the veteran Kendrick, you know, he's been been there, done that at the moment. And Tazawa new to this as well. But now it looks like he's going to be uh, taped up to that ring post. Oh, he's got a belt. It's a belt off his uh, 
trousers, and I was just whipping Tazawa. And now, as the referee's trying to help Tazawa get out of that uh, predicament, Kendrick's setting up the table now. Kendrick's certainly making the most of these weapons. I mean, I don't think Tazawa's used a weapon yet. Well, Tazawa is a weapon, isn't he? And this is a problem. Kendrick's completely taken out the game that way as well. Literally taping him up and making sure he can't hit any offence as well. Let me say, as well again as Kendrick sets up the table as well. Yeah, he did a good job there. Uh-oh. Oh, but Tazara responds with a whip. <laughs> What's he got in his hand? It's, it's the belt Kendrick uh, whipped Tazara with. Now Tazara's got it. And you're not allowed unprotected chair shots to the face, but undetected, uh, unprotected belt shots are allowed. Tazara brings it back in the ring now. Goes to town on Kendrick. It's the thing, every time you see a belt or something like that in the, in the ring, you know both wrestlers are going to get it. <laughs> yeah. And Tazara going to the top. Going to go flying onto Brian. Taking his time, but still, oh no. Kendrick moves out of the way. Oh, gets put in that fisherman's hook. Captain's hook. Captain's hook. <laughs> you <mate>. told me. <laughs> and he's got it in. Tazara in the middle of the ring. Oh no, he's not. He's near the ropes, but can he get there? No disqualification, so Kendrick could keep him there any way, you know, any way he wants, as we see the poke in the eye there as well. And what Tazara's trying to do here, you see that right hand, he's trying to get it underneath Kendrick's left arm as well, and try and leverate some of the pressure, as we see that oh, now. he's managing to make his way to his feet. He stands up and grabs the middle rope. Oh, and just dives through the second rope there, taking both of them out, but manages to alleviate Kendrick's manoeuvre. Exactly, and all he needs now is that little bit of separation to try and get his breath back, to try and get back into it. But Kendrick is not leaving him alone. This is what we've seen throughout the match as well. And you know Kendrick's got a plan. He's a man with a plan. That's what his entrance music says. And that's what he's going to do in a match as well as he just uses Cesaro's head to check the announce tables, okay? He is, yes. Oh, we've seen what damage he can do with them ring steps, but Cesaro managing to fight out. Well, Cesaro remembers that and now he's going to say, right, payback. But Kendrick blocking him as well. Both men fighting near the stairs. This is not going to end well for someone. <laughs> nah, someone's going to get hurt. What's Kendrick doing? Trying to tiger bomb Tazara on there. Oh, Tazara managing to fight his way out though. Going for a backdrop. Yeah, he's but Kendrick's to... holding on. Oh, he manages to reverse it. Well, Kendrick always knows where he is, isn't he? You know, grabbing onto that ring post as well. Now off the top of the stairs. Oh, both men jockeying for a suplex. Oh! oh. But Tazara manages to get Kendrick in a face-first suplex and... Comes tumbling down after. <laughs> Both men looking very spent. It's been a hard match, but one of these men are going to have a victory over the other one and hopefully end the feud. I say hopefully end the feud. To end the feud as well. Cesaro now with those kicks. Ooh. Oh, goes for one. Kendrick blocks the other, but Tazawa crawls through his legs and hits him with a love suplex. And that's the thing I like about Tazawa as well, is that he can... He, he turns it up, doesn't he? You know, like the, the moves in quick succession as well, as we just saw there. He can go in the ring, you know, to Zara. I think the only thing against him is probably his promos and obviously the not being a native English speaker. I think Kendrick, yeah. in that way, is helping him out with his feud, doing most of the work anyway, isn't he? You know, well, so. you know, Kendrick's a bit of a talker himself, so yeah, he's helping him out a lot. To Zara, wobbly legged, trying to chase after Brian Kendrick. Gonna hit that release German suplex. And we've seen Kedrick go for his finisher twice, and now he's got Tazara. Oh, he had him on the outside trying to go for that captain's hook, but <laughs> Tazara manages to reverse it and DDT Kendrick into the steel stairs. <coughs> you don't really see a DDT on the sides of the stairs often. And now Tazara's got that look in his eyes. He's got an idea. Ha! 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 
Ha! Kendrick's down. The table's set up. Oh, Kendrick's laying across the table. But it's Desarva taking too long. Is he fully recovered? Is this going to be another lesson for Kendrick to teach Tazawa? Well, Tazawa now going to the top, getting the fans behind him as well. Tazawa is taking his sweet-ass time about it. He stands on the top, stands on the ring post now. Here we go, sent on. Oh! No, Kendrick didn't move. And Tazawa hit all of that. Wow. (laughs) Impact and a half here, but Kendrick's got his... His, his, his leg <laughs> shaking with the impact. But he's in a pinning position over Tazawa now, isn't he? He is, but I don't think he's in a position to pin Tazawa. <laughs> Referee's checking. Let's see a replay. Oh, yes. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, he got some heart in that one. Now Tazawa trying to drag Kendrick's limp, lifeless body back into the ring. And surely he's just going to pin him now. Don't call me Shirley, but it does look like this match is going to be over soon. There you go. <laughs> and something else we don't see that often when someone rolls him back in the ring yeah. after a while. But Tazawa does indeed get the... Brian Kendrick hasn't moved. I mean, Dan, what do you think of that? I, I don't know. It wasn't as fluid as I like to see in a street fight. You know, it, it didn't really make, you know, with the tape bit, he... Buggered it up a couple of times. Yeah. Um, you know, and tying it around the thingy. And then when he did get released, he was on the losing hand of it. Yeah. So, you know, and he set up the table, got put through the table. That was probably the best spot of the match. Yeah. That I, and the DDT on the, onto the steel steps. I don't think it was too bad. It wasn't real street fight, street fight. It wasn't no. like we see, you know. We've it's not it. what we're used to, like, you know, Raven pushing a trolley yeah. full of toys down to the ring and just throwing everything into it and you know yeah, but a cactus jack bar by a battle or something like that. It wasn't yeah you know or, or as even as even as crazy as the royal rumble yeah that's, that's true yeah but, um it's still not bad especially considering where it's, it's on 205 live in it the weekly program i mean this should be the end of tozawa versus kendrick now as well and tozawa, i think that is the end of kendrick oh 1985 what a bloody good year uh, Tazawa, though, like we say, de- deserving of the, the feud ending victory. And hopefully now he can move on once, uh, you know, the future of the Cruiserweight scene. He could be a contender to either Austin Aries or indeed Neville as well as we go along. Anything else about this episode of 205 Live, Dan? Um, no, you know, it was just a standard episode of 205 Live. Yeah, we see the referees checking on Kendrick and Tazawa. They're going to need medical attention when they leave here. But we move on to the next episode, which is episode... Uh, 20, ep, ep 27th. <laughs> Episode 27, and it is the 30th of May. Uh, Dan, how do we start? Now Amdar and Alicia Fox came out to start the show. Fox said that Dar complete. Oh, <coughs> Fox said that Dar completes her, and nothing could break them up. Rich Swan and Sasha Banks are nothing but yokes and jokes. They plug their Extreme Rules mixed tag match, which will be on the pre-show. And as Fox was continuing to rant on about Banks, Swan came out with Banks following. Okay. Banks said that she and Swan are. Uh, Banks said that she and Swan share a lot of things in common. Unlike Dar and Fox, they like to dance and know about fashion. She and Fox exchanged barbs over their weaves before the match started. Yeah, so we see Sasha Banks making her first appearance ever on 205 Live. Like I say, teaming up with Rich Swan And Sasha Banks, previous couple of weeks on Raw, 
beating Alicia Fox, losing to Alicia Fox. We know Rich Swan and has problems in the past. Is this good for these four people involved, or is it a step down for Sasha Banks, or is it a step up for the other three, Dan? What do you think? Uh, I think it's more of a step up for the other three, but, you know, with Sasha Banks, she was a former champion. So, you know, is it a step down for her as well as a step up for the That's other three? That's what I'm saying. I mean, what what's, is this to kind of keep Sasha Banks' time until she goes on. I mean, she's not going for titles anymore. She, she is feuding with Alicia yeah. Fox. It is good for Rich Swan. I think it's fantastic for Noam Dar as well, you know. And to be on the pre-show, like we say, I think it will be a, a fun match. Don't get me wrong. But we are now going to see uh, up next it is Noam Dar versus Rich Swan. Uh, so we, we're going to watch this because, of course, I'm a huge fan of Noam Dar and any one of my guys. Who, who's my other two picks? I can't remember now. Zach Sabre Jr. and... Uh, Ho-Ho oh, Lan. Ho-Ho Lan. So Noam Dar's the only one from the CWC who's really done anything. And, but when I say he's done something, he's been uh, a major factor, major factor, on 205 Live since his inception. And now with his Lisa Fox feud, he is, we talk about Tazawa on the face side, I think Dar is third or second heel on 205 so Live. after TJ Perkins? Well, that, I think, yeah. Is that after? Neville T- Perkins. After my pick, TJ you, Perkins. But do you agree, though? Yeah, that he's after market. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but do you yeah, agree? I, I agree yeah, with that. don't get me wrong because the difference is, is like we say, Nam Dar is what ten years younger than Perkins. So yeah. of course Perkins, being the first cruiserweight champion as well. Of course, Nam Dar hasn't held that title, but the people he's wrestling with, Cedric, uh, Rich Swan, <laughs> you know, people like Rich Swan have been champions as well, haven't they? You know, yeah. so I think he's only only could be good for Nam Dar in the early going. Rich Swan has been all over Nam Dar. I mean, from, uh, Dan, ask me what Noam Dar has to do if he wants to win this. What does Noam Dar have to do if he wants to win this it's match? There's not a chance he's going to win this. <laughs> you know, we no. know Dar's record. <laughs> he's there to lose. But, you know, he, he puts in good performances. But I am a fan of Rich Swan. What do you think? Yeah, I think Cedric Alexander's great. <laughs> no, uh, Rich Swan, yeah, you know, he's... Was he brought into this feud? You know, I'm not trying to be ratio stereotypical, but was he brought into this feud to replace Cedric Alexander, yeah. who was previously feuding with the two of these. Yeah, I think most definitely. As Noam Dar's just kicked Rich Swan's legs out and he lands on the apron. Yeah, because... Yes, because Cedric Alexander and Dar, like we say, um, they were having a feud with uh, Alicia Fox being Cedric Alexander's girlfriend. He had the injury. And even in the storyline, Rich Swan said, like, uh, oh, Cedric Alexander's my friend, so I- I'm going to basically take his place. And this-, this is all they've done, you know? So, don't get me wrong. I think Rich Swan, I like him more than Alexander... I, it's really difficult to say which one's the better wrestler out of the two, but I think Rich Swan's got the better character. But I think with whoever goes against Noam Dar is going to get cheered anyway because I think he's, you know, he's he's good looking, he's cocky, you know, and and, and he's he's a real whiny bitcher as well, isn't he? You know, he's, oh, definitely. Yeah. He is. I don't want to say the Miz, but it's that type of character where he he will put Alicia Fox in harm's way so he can win. You know. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. That's maybe why you like him, because you're a big fan of the Miz. Yeah, I like that character. I like the fact of a hill to be able to say, yes, I can't beat you one-on-one because you are a good guy. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I like so I'm going to put my girlfriend in yeah. harm's way to I'll, save I'll my bacon. I'll cheat. I'll do anything for the victory because I can't get the job done. And that's what a bad guy should be anyway. You know, you shouldn't have a cool bad guy. He's cool, he's cocky, and he's bad. He's not the honky-tonk man, but I'll tell you what he is, though. He's in control of this match as he's working over Rich Swan's left arm. And Noam Dar, we talk about his technical expertise as well. He can pinpoint uh, the arm and just work on it throughout the whole match as well until he finally loses, because that's what Rich Swan could do. 
Rich Swan is in serious trouble. Now I'm dialed, like I say, working the arm. He's got so many different ways of submission. I mean, he's a British wrestler, Dan. Now I'm dark quite easily go into the UK tournament and be on a level with Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. Mm. No, I think he. I think he can. I think you know, we, we've seen him not only live with the WWE. We also seen him live when he was doing the independence as well. We know how good this young man is as he cuts off Rich Swan. Well, he's not letting Rich Swan get any offense in at the moment. Uh, it has all been no Amdar though, you know. Uh, Rich Swan hasn't had room to breathe. Uh, Sasha Banks not done a lot of ringside either. She's you know she's cheering on Rich Swan, but again, not much of a. I know they said they got more in common than Fox and Dar, but still, maybe Rich Swan likes Snoop Dogg or something. <laughs> you know, oh, my cousin. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh uh, well, look, no Amdar taunting and Alicia Fox joining as well. But one interesting thing about Alicia Fox, though, even though Sasha Banks is obviously a better worker. Alicia Fox has now been in WWE for over 10 years. You wouldn't have seen her. And this is her first, I would say, proper storyline that she's had in the WWE. I've actually seen Alicia Fox winning the Divas Championship on Raw when I, when I went there. And that, 2010? Yeah. So, yeah, seven years ago. And she's still done nothing since then. Get an opportunity now. And her man, Naam Dar, like we say, complete control, has just been dominating this match. Oh, shit. Oh. But as you say that, it's the curse of the commentator. <laughs> and Rich Swan there with a nice Frankensteiner off the top, sending Dar down to the map. Oh, come on, you can't let Rich Swan get ahead of steam now. Uh-oh. Oh, nice spinning heel kick there to the mid-cell to his knees. Oh. And a somersault. Famous, huh? Oh, can he get him down? No. Now I'm Dar kicks out. Uh-huh. And he's holding that knee. It's a little bit of trouble here, Dar. <laughs> Come on, you've only taken like three moves, mate. And a roly-poly frog splash there, but he gets nothing but knees from Dar. Goes for the cover, but Swan managing to kick out. Ah, and Dar can't believe it. I would say there beautifully. The athleticism of Rich Swan on show, but the, the cleverness beyond his years. The veteran like, you know, now I'm Dar there, knowing how to block a move. Now he's thinking, how am I going to put Rich Swan down? How am I going to put Rich Swan down? Here we go. Suplex time, maybe. Oh, oh no, but Swan rolls him up. No. Small package. Ooh. Oh, Only managing to get the two count on Dar. Two Dar. Dar struggling to get to his feet. Rich Swan's up. Yeah, that's it, Dar. That's it. Oh, he's got an ankle lock on. <laughs> Beautiful by Rich Swan there. Uh, by Noam Dar there. Dodging, they do look the same. But Rich Swan, oh. Oh, rolls through and sends... Dar tumbling to the outside. And now Richie going to go flying, is he? No. Oh, Alicia Fox <laughs> trips him up. That was a bit naughty. Well, did Sasha Banks see it? I think she did, Dan. Here we go. Oh, she's taken out her earrings. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. Cat fight. Puppies. Puppies. <laughs> there is a cat fight with Banks and Fox. Banks, what's that? Did she just pull out some <clears throat> of Fox's hair? What's she got in her hand? Is it a bit of clothing or something like that? Oh, Darlo dodging Rich Swan. Distraction is going to cost him. Oh, you Be- now like a shining wizard. Beautiful kick to the face. Got sw- so hey, he got Swan. <laughs> Dar's <laughs> managed to get a victory. <laughs> Dar beats Swan. Oh my god! Fox jumping on Dar there beats him. Got a victory. Well, Sasha Banks and Fox are not finished. Yeah, it is a bit of Fox's hair she's got. But a bit of fox hair. Well, fair play now, Amdar. There, you get a victory, Dan. What do you think of that match? Yeah, it was a bit 
overcome by uh, what happened between Banks and Fox, I think. And, you know, that kind of took away from the match and, you know, basically a, a kick to the face ended it for Swan and, uh, yeah, gave Dard a victory. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I like I like Fox and Banks at ringside. I think it's going to be a really fun pre-show match, you know, between these four. Uh, but we move on. And up next, Dan... Dasha Fuentes interviewed Cedric Alexander about what just happened. He said, Fox and Dar will get what's coming to them at Extreme Rules. Rehabbing for three months doesn't seem like a long time, but now he has to go out there and make up for lost time. And he indeed did because Cedric Alexander defeated Corey Hollis. Hollis, uh, Hollis honed in on Alexander's injured knee, but Alexander made a quick comeback and pinned him with a lumbar check. So, two ma- two weeks, two matches, two victories for Alexander. He's slowly making his way back, isn't he, you know? He is indeed, yes. And uh, it says he's, he's uh, three months. So, that means that the Noam Dar Rich Swan thing has gone on for three months. So, that again, you know, it's another quite a long yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. feud. And hopefully, like Tazara and Kendrick, that will come to an end at Extreme Rules. Yeah, but will we have a... Another power couple with Dar and Fox carrying on, or will Banks and Swan be the new ones? We'll find out. Extreme rules, and of course, 205 Live. We've got two matches because, of course, you've got the Cruiserweight title match as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, so up next. Uh, they showed a recap of what went down last week between Akira Tozawa and Brian Kendrick, where Tozawa defeated him in a street fight. Yeah, and our next match is Drew Gulak versus Mustafa Ali. And Gulak came out to do a spill about 205 Live, becoming. Uh, no fly zone as Mustafa Ali Lair has just flown out of the ring onto uh, Drew Gulak. He's broken aside and now thrown Drew Gulak back in. Of course, these two men in recent times as well have had their problems with each other. And you can see how f- uh, fired up Mustafa Ali is, isn't he? You know, he is indeed, yes. And uh, <laughs> Gulak is uh, on, off to a bad start yeah, so far. He looks bring... like a bit of a fucking goon. He does. Honest. I mean, he's grown his hair out as well now. I mean, we saw him teaming up with. Uh, Tony Nice. I mean, good technical wrestler, Gulak. Do you, do you like this gimmick of the no-fly zone and stopping the cruise weights from flying down? Uh, it is a bit boring, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit... It's been done before, hasn't it, you know? Yeah. But can Gulak make it work? He's uh, targeted Mustafa Ali in this one. And this is another feud that has just recently started, so we're going to see this go on now, I guess, for a number of weeks. A number of months. Yeah, Gulak doesn't know what's hit him at the moment. Here comes Mustafa Ali again. Ali's oh. come flying out the box, <laughs> out of the blocks, and comes flying off the ring apron and runs through Gulak with a big knee. Yeah, Gulak say, no, there's no flying here. What are you doing to me? You're beating the crap out of me already. And Mustafa Ali, we've talked about him before, another exciting guy because his offence is incredible, isn't it, on 205? It is, yeah. I mean, his uh, inverted 450 and everything else that we've seen the man do as well. I mean, we've been that close to him. As he is there now, we could literally spit at him if we wanted to. And mm-hmm. Ali is is figuratively spitting in Gulak's face there with a chop across the chest, sending Gulak running. Oh, and another one as well. But Gulak, to his credit, though, is fighting back himself with a couple of chops. Oh, no, as you <laughs> say that, Ali comes back with a couple of big forearms. Oh, and he gets thrown back into the ring by Ali. That's it, Gulak. Try and stop him. Traditional wrestler. No knee pads, no elbow pads. And now working with the traditional Randy Orton-esque stumps to the back as well. <laughs> Don't well, forget. we've seen Randy Orton supporting his no-fly zone petition. Exactly. So there we go. Gulak in good company there. And he's looking at his chest going, this is what you've just done to me. 
Taking his time. He's going to Irish whip my stuff for Ali now. Throws him into the corner, but Ali flies over the top of him. <laughs> oh, Gulak goes to run into him, but he just gets an elbow in his face. Oh. And then uh, as Ali goes up top, he gets pushed off by Gulak and looks like he's strained his knee. Yeah, I think that left leg hit the apron. And Gulak now smirking. No, he's not. He's just got a grin on his face. That's a bit vicious there by Gulak, but ahead of him, he's probably scouted Mustafa Ali as well, hasn't he? You know, in the past, know how he fights. Well, of course, he knows the, the high-flying style as well. Will that come back to haunt Mustafa Ali? Can Gulak take advantage of it? Great strategy there by Gulak. He's taken out the man's legs so he cannot jump or fly. Exactly. And Mustafa Ali, if you take that out of his offense, I mean, would you say that's like 75% of what Ali can do, you know? That is indeed, yes. Gulak working leg, going for the pin. And this is not he's not going to get the submission here, is he, on the leg? He's not going to pin it, exerting the energy from Mustafa Ali there, having to push the weight of Gulak off him, trying to stop the submissions as well now. As you see, uh, Ali's his right arm's caught. Gulak knows how to work. He's a great technical wrestler. There's comparisons people have been making between him and Dean Malenko as well. Now, don't get me wrong. Dean Malenko, different class at the moment. But I think if Gulak can find a niche for himself, that kind of style of wrestler as well. It's not really regal, isn't it? He wasn't yeah. the, the fanciest of wrestlers, but what he could do was good enough. And he had that style on show. Yeah, you know, well, he managed to last throughout everything as well in WWE and Gulak's just trying to build a catch up as well and try to stop Ali from hitting anything but Ali back to his feet hits Gulak with a lovely head scissors takedown and a couple of Ric Flair like knife edge chops it is and now forearms to the face as well but Gulak managing to reverse <clears throat> Irish shoots Ali into the corner but goes to run in hits nothing Ali well kicks him in the head and Ali going to go flying. Yeah, rolling net breaker time, is it now for Ali? Oh, love that it move. lovely. Yeah, I love that move. That's brilliant. And Gulak maybe wishing he never got involved in this match. Ali's leg hurts, but he is looking up. Of course, like we discussed, inverted 450. And now Ali to the top, but Gulak's back to his feet as well. Oh, flying crossbody off the top. Gulak rolls through with the cover. Oh! And gets a free. <laughs> Really? Well, Ali's legs hurt and he probably just caught him off guard, didn't it? As Gulak now celebrating like he's just won the WWE Championship. <laughs> wow. It's not so victory means something to someone, doesn't it? <laughs> Look how happy Gulak is. He's certainly over the moon and he's <laughs> thanking everyone in the crowd. Oh, and Ali. <laughs> Dan, what did you think of that? Look how it started at the replay. No fly zone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what did you think of the match? Um, it was quite an entertaining match throughout the majority of it. The end was a bit, you know, it's, there's ways to have a cheeky victory over someone and I think rolling them up after a crossbody probably isn't the best of them, but, you know, we've seen worse yeah, I think, finishes. Uh, I think in the past couple of lives, I think the only uh, decisive victories we've seen really is Cedric Alexander's ones in his quick matches, you know, like Dar's victory over Swan kind of came out of nowhere, didn't it? Again, this yeah. one as well. Even the Tazara Kendrick one last week, they waited 15 seconds before he pinned him. But uh, not too bad, and uh, this was the main event match, but 205 did still continue. Gulak said the victory wasn't for him. It was for those who believe in his message for what 205 Live should be. Ali lost and he needs to learn high flying doesn't pay. Staying on the ground is the way. <laughs> so he's even got a little saying now as well. So Gulak successful. We'll see if he can carry on. Uh, Austin Aries made his way to the ring. 
And ever since last night, people have been messaging him on social media. Not because of his new book, but because of the tap heard round the world. They showed footage of what went down on Raw, then they showed it again, just in case anyone in the audience didn't see. He said this may be the first time that Neville tapped, but only because the other two times Neville found a way to escape. Neville came out and said last night he got lucky. This is how you carry yourself. You have no decorum. This Saturday, the King of the Cruiserweights will eradicate you once. This Sunday, the King of the Cruiserweights will eradicate you once and for all. He claimed that 205 Live is his kingdom. Yeah, but can you disagree with Neville? He's been dominant, hasn't he, ever since winning the Cruiserweight Championship he has, yeah. at the Rumble. He hasn't lost. Yes, he tapped out to Aries last night. Wasn't an official match. Caught him off guard, you know. So I'm not, I'm not going to count that as anything else. And then what happened, Dan? Uh, then TJP, TJP jumped Aries from behind as Neville joined in on the fray. With TJP holding Aries, Neville kicked his knee in a bowing position. And then took him out and locked in the rings of Saturn. He stood over Aries as the show closed. Yes, so this is the go-home show, as they say, for Extreme Rules. And uh, with that attack and Aries being beaten down, I mean, what does that mean for Extreme Rules? you fancy Austin Aries' chances there, Dan? Well, you know, to know that Neville can tap out, you know, and he is defeatable by the Cruiserweights, it, it does open it up a bit more for Austin Aries to win, yeah. Yes, especially with him being beaten down as well. In this episode, usually the guy gets beaten down, you know what I mean, was more successful at the pay-per-view as well. So we will see what happens. It is a submission match. Uh, it is for the Cruiserweight Championship. And it is will be it will be at Extreme Rules. And of course, our next episode, 205, will be after Extreme Rules, so we can tell you the result right now. Hey, before we start anything else, Dan, so Neville's just give his promo. Watch this. He's done it again! He shit himself yet again to Neville Fireworks. TJP jumping at these is as funny as when Eric Young used to do it in TNA when he was doing it as a joke. But I think Perkins is genuinely scared. Anyway, so I just want to start off with that because I love myself uh, Pyro Maniacs, whatever the fuck I called it. I can't remember now. Pyro Chondriacs, I remember that now. That's that little segment out of the way. So we do start off with our next episode of 205 Live, episode 28th. Uh, the 6th of June, Dan. Uh, Austin Aries came up short once again at Extreme Rules and is off doing some soul-searching. With nothing lined up for the Cruiserweight champ Neville, TJP asked again about the title shot he'd been promised. Don't ask for things from the king. Yeah, the champ beat down his former advocate on the stage and then informed him he'll be getting his chance to reclaim the belt tonight. Noam Dar enters without Alicia Fox for a promo. He brings up Cedric Alexander's interview from last week when Cedric called he and Foxy names. Dar should be angry, but he knows Alexander is just jealous. Alicia is not he- <coughs> Alicia is not here. She's at home nursing her neck injury, but she wants Noam to tell Cedric to move on. He starts to talk about how none of us would understand being in a relationship with a beautiful woman like Foxy, and that prompts Alexander's theme for our first match. And our first match is Cedric Alexander versus Noam Dar. And Cedric Alexander, to the surprise of no one, defeated Noam Dar via pinfall following a lumber check out of nowhere after like Dar had things well in hand. Alexander tells Dar he's moved on and he suggests Noam do the same thing. Well, a video package on, per- <clears throat> a video package on Perkins focusing on his babyface run 
to victory in the Cruiserweight Classic leads to an interview with Dasha Fuentes, where TJ said he's done with the inspirational stories. Tonight, it's all about him and the opportunity he deserves. Neville brought him on to solve his Austin Aries problem, but now the champ has a TJP problem. <laughs> has a TJP problem. During introductions, we get a reminder about Drew Gulak enforcing his no-fly zone and picking up a victory over Mustafa Ali last week. Well, and this week, Mustafa Ali defeated Louis Vale via pinfall with roll-up reversal after Gulak interruption almost allows Vale, or Vale to get a free count. Drew congratulates him via megaphone for winning by staying grounded. He tries to recruit Ali to his campaign for a better 205 Live, inviting Mustafa Ali to be a winner like him and not a, like, a loser like all these people. <laughs> and then Ali flies over the top rope and wipes him out. Mufasa Ali then destroys his sign and proclaims, this is a fly zone. Yeah, and then up next we see a Rich Swan profile piece is, and it's introduced by Corey Graves saying he's a former Cruiserweight champ who could regain the title soon and that's what he said on Raw Talk as well. Swan and Akira Tozawa are talking to each other in Japanese when Titus O'Neil walks up and asks Rich to leave so he can talk to Tozawa. Titus says a friend Apollo Crews recommended he recruit him to the brand. When he hears Tazawa, ah, 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 all he hears is cha, cha, ching. He knows Akira could use some extra yen in his pocket. So Anil suggests he go talk to his friend Apollo and let him know if he's down to join them. Well, that's interesting then. So it looks like Titus Anil was trying to uh, get Akira Tazawa on the brand. Last person that went up to Tazawa trying to be part of the team out for him, so... No, but they did have a massive storyline that went on for ages. Yeah, so see what happens here. Uh, and then we have an interview with a champ where he tells Dasha that Perkins is just like all the other pretenders. Simply not on the Neville level. Rest in peace, Neville level. And then we see Perkins getting the shit scared out of him. We've seen all the in-ring introductions, the title belt, and now they're just locking up for the very first time. Keys for victory was TJ Perkins have to appear, cruiserweight champion. Um... Well, you know, he needs to revert back to the TJP that got him winning the inaugural Cruiserweight Championship tournament. Uh, he doesn't need to be too intimidated by Neville and actually use some of his insider knowledge he had from Neville while they was working together. Yeah, I mean, you're a huge fan of the TJP, aren't you? Aside from his dabbing, yes. Yeah, and we've seen the success he's had as a baby face. And now, I mean, what is he? Has he gone back to a faker and in between him at the moment? Uh, I'm not sure. I hope they don't keep flip-flopping with TJP, though, because, you know, it's it's not good for a wrestler if they keep going face-heel, face-heel, face-heel. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you, need... you need him to find his feet. Yeah, a bit like Neville with the heel character. You know, he's been doing this now for six months, and he's, he's very, very comfortable, and you can see that here. I mean, with Neville... In this match, he's going to try and, I think, out-wrestle TJP to show him that he can. But we know how good TJP is as a technical wrestler, don't we? We do indeed, yes. As Neville tries to take it down with a side headlock, slowing things down. Is the crowd going to cost Neville one day? We've seen how much he taunts them, doesn't he, you know? Um, well, you know, we see him taunting them, but he's got TJP in, in a position he can't really get out of at the moment. So, you know, if he's taunting them at that point, then it's not too bad. It's when he... Leans over the ropes while his opponent's down on the ground or, you know, he's he's in a vulnerable position to get attacked from behind. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's the overconfidence of Neville. And, I mean, if the Cruiserweight title, I mean, his run now, I, mean, I know it's not Oscar level, 
but it is pretty impressive, you know, to be in the uh, you know, start of June, six months in now, and no one's really come close. I mean, I know Aries did in one of the matches, but I think with Neville, he needs to fight one of the younger guys in this matchup with TJP, I think, is a, is a great thing, because we wondered if TJP would burn the institution of Neville down to the ground from the inside. Didn't really work out like that, did it? You know? No, he didn't quite have the effect that Randy Orton did when he infiltrated the Wyatt's camp. Yeah, but Perkins now in control of the arm with Neville, and I think he'll be happy with this at the moment. I think both men are going to feel each other out. I mean, Neville had seen something in Perkins to want him to be you know, part of the team to take down double A. So it might be similarities between the two. I mean, Perkins and Neville, quite similar in age as well, even though you might assume Perkins is uh, the younger of the two. Neville's been around, of course, a while now. And just look at athletic ability there. Again, early on in this match, I think Neville's got the upper hand in strength and power, but you can't discount TJP. Well, no, you've seen the heart. You've seen he beat 31 men to be the first cruiserweight champion. That he's trying to go for that leg. And we know how good he is with submissions. And, and what the fuck That's is that? That's a variation of the half Boston Crab. Neville, straight away, he's not hanging around going to those purple rocks. TJP's someone that could go toe-to-toe with Neville? I think potentially he could. I mean, I don't match up the size. I think Neville does look better. But then again, like I say, Perkins is, depends on the role he plays. I mean, if he works on a part of Neville, you know, working on a leg, whatever it is, then you can weaken him like that, can't you? Maybe get the victory. He's... Dangerous. Perkins is dangerous. But I think Neville is the top talent on 205. I think Perkins is just kind of lap rung down, maybe even below um, Rich Swan or someone like that. You know, I, I don't know with Perkins. I don't know. I, I'm still not sold on him. Do you know what I mean? I still don't know. You still don't see what I've seen in him. Yeah, like, no, I can understand he's talented. Don't get me wrong. He's got Neville in a bit of trouble on the outside. But as I said, that. <laughs> Curse of James strikes again, just as we thought TJP was in control. Neville turns it around, throws him into the barricades, and again, look, he's just taunting to the crowd, giving his opponent a chance to recover. Exactly, but this is what Neville does, and he takes his time. He doesn't want to discredit TJP. Oh, look at Neville getting in the face of Corey Graves and Tom or Todd Phillips, saying, this is what I can do. Poopa, scoopa. Kawasaki. Tarumusalata. Oh, but again, Neville taking his time and gets caught in the midsection with a spinning heel kick, but responds by putting TJ with a swift kick. Neville doesn't care if he gets counted out either. Oh. Drops TJP face first onto the announce table, goes back into the ring to break the count up. He's just doing it to get in referee's face as well. You bastard, Neville. I mean, Neville would play a great, like, Sheriff of Nottingham. You know what I mean? If it was a pantomime around. He is a pantomime villain. Captain yeah. Hook. And then again, probably Brian Kendrick would be best suited for that. <laughs> <laughs> Perkins makes it in at the count of... Nine. 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 I don't believe it, Dan. Nine. Neville there just heelishly stamping on TJP's head. My bad. And he continues to do that. And that's the kind of nasty side of Neville that we've been seeing... For a very long time now. Nasty Neville. Perk is not on his level. Neville looking like he's going to go up top. Try and finish off TJP. But is Neville taking too long? I mean, he's scouting Perkins at the moment. But surely TJP's recovered. Don't call me Shirley, but it looks like he's getting to his feet. But is that what Neville wants? Oh, well, it is indeed yeah. for the big drop kick. Yeah, that's it. He is not on Neville's level. Or Neville. Now he's going to the opposite corner. He's going to do the exact same thing, or is he going to do the opposite? 
What would be the opposite of a drop kick? Headbutt. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Is he gonna headbutt off the top? No. TJP managed to get up and recover just in time. But Neville just grabs Perkins' head, doesn't he? Just looks at him, says, Is that what you got, kid? Headbutts him back in the middle of the ring. Oh, but Perkins still has more up his sleeve. Ducks Neville and then tosses him to the outside, but Neville lands on his feet, only to be cross bodied by Perkins, who came flying over the top with a big corkscrew cross body. Beautiful move there, and can Perkins capsize on it, or is it just time to catch his breath? At this moment, you can't win the Cruiserweight title on the outside. Neville, even though he got hit with the offensive move, back in the ring first. Perkins trying to crawl and grab him. Oh, but Perkins, I think he's a, fre- he's a fresher man out of the two. Oh, with a big jawbreaker on Neville. Oh, a lovely variation of a 619 there, bouncing over the top rope. Neville there managing to kick out of a lovely face-first kind of suplex. Double underhook, CJP. Uh, and Neville maybe counted his chickens before they might hatch here because he's discredited TJP, who's won the Cruiserweight title before, knows what to do, and is he going to go and set Neville up now for that detonation kick? Oh, but Neville hooking his feet over the top rope. Managed to get a bit of separation between the two. Ooh. Viciously bouncing Perkins' head off the mat after spinning heel kick to the midsection. Who do you think's got the better kicks, Perkins or Neville? I would say Neville, but we'll see what happens here in the combinations. Come on, Neville. Fuck him up with the kicks, that's it. There's two. Perkins can hardly stand. Oh. And a big kick to the head. He's down. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh, oh. but TJP managing to kick out. Ah. And Neville is not a happy bunny here. Did you know that there was a rumour going round why TJP has got his name as TJP and not TJ Perkins. And what is that? Because Vince McMahon had a big disagreement with the Perkins food chain and uh, he doesn't like them anymore, so it's TJP. Oh my God. But that is not true. Well, let's hope David McDonald and NXT doesn't have the same problems working his way up. Or indeed Matt Burger King. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, how about you? Uh, We didn't even plan that. Good good job it's TJP and not KFC. Yay! Well, can he be the bargain bucket here tonight and run away with that championship? It will be finger looking good if he can. But, well, Neville, Subway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that leg whip there. Just the cruiserweight's knee. Oh, God, he's not having it his way now as Perkins recovering. God, oh, he's loving it. <laughs> and again, going down low to Neville's knee. Big chop kick. And Neville in serious trouble. Oh. He doesn't kick as well as his Nando's. No. <laughs> Brilliant super kick to Perkins there. And Neville sending Perkins. Well, he's positioning perfectly on the mat. And what is he going to look for? The red arrow. No, second rope. Oh. Second rope, 450. Perkins moved out the way and now he's got him. Oh, can he manage to get Neville down to get that? TJP clutch locked in. Neville's too close to the ropes. No, Perkins pulls him back in. Oh, pick that leg sweetly. Middle of, locked in. Middle of the ring. Nowhere to go. Neville. Neville might tap here. You see him come close to tap. Come close to tapping against Austin Aries. Well, the war. He's only been. You know, the war he had with Aries only a couple of days ago. And Perkins is going to take advantage. Put him straight back in again. Oh, but. 
Neville managing to roll through. Oh. Gets him in the rings of Saturn. Eww. Can he get it locked in? Perkins fighting it. Turns him up. Pin. Oh. Turns close, but he gets the uh, rings of Saturn locked in. Uh oh. Perkins. Perkins has got nowhere to go. <laughs> His legs trying to reach the ropes. Referee. Well, Perkins, I don't think, said. I think he tapped. Oh, he tapped out with his right hand, and Neville is not letting go here. Well, Perkins failed. Neville retained. Dan, what do you think of the match? It was a very entertaining match between the two of them. I think uh, TJP stood as good a chance as any to win the match, but again, you know, not coming close to the King of Cruiserweights. Yeah, Neville just uh, staring at Perkins. And what is next for Neville? You know, who is there? to challenge him for the Cruiserweight Championship. Dan, if you could name one Cruiserweight you would want to see fight Neville next, who would it be? Anybody, anybody. Gentleman Jack. Okay, mine would be Noam Dar. I know it wouldn't make sense, but I don't care. Well, I said, Zach Sabre Jr. Zach Sabre, yeah. <laughs> Hope uh, Lan. Yeah, Ricochet. Ricochet. Uh, any road up. So that is 205 for this week. And we move on to our last 205 live. Let's go. Well, with 205 Live, we're going to finish 205 Live now. We've watched three episodes. Our fourth episode is Tuesday the 13th of June, and it is episode 29. But before we started, Dan, we had a little bit of news, didn't we? Uh, Yes, 205 Live. They've got a new announcer by the name of Vic Joseph. He's, uh, you might recognise him, he's the NXT host and announcer. The new commentator for 205 Live, and we will be replacing Tom or Todd Phillips. Yes. Do you want to see, there's a picture. I saw him, I just followed him on Twitter. Yeah, there he is. But look look how, look, I've got the picture up there. Look how similar him and Corey Graves are in that picture there. They are almost twins. Yeah. And we, just <laughs> without the tattoo on his yeah. we're gonna We're going to tweet that picture. Uh, because, yeah, it looks like Corey Graves had a long lost son he didn't know. Well, the change was done yesterday and it looks like it's a permanent one according to Phillips. Very excited for Vic Joseph to join 205 Live. Be sure to check him out every Tuesday night. Yeah, Phillips is doing. Phillips has been doing commentary for 205 Live ever since Ronaldo left. Joseph now team Raw commentator Corey Graves for 205 Live, who is the only original commentator left since the show's inception in 2016. Vic is from Independence, Ohio, and he's the voice of the uh, Tommy Dreamer promotion, House of Hardcore, and he made his view. On the January 12th NXT Live 8 in Tampa, Florida. and the, But yeah, we start off our last episode after that. And it was... Uh, well, Akira Tazar is backstage. And he's greeted by Titus O'Neil. He notes how Neville took notice of the trade about Tazawa going after the Cruiserweight Championship. Titus tells Akira that he's gotten Tazawa booked for tonight's main event against TJP. He promises Akira that he can be the next Kobe Bryant of Japan if he joins the Titus brand. O'Neill then breaks into his own rendition of It's Raining Men by changing it into It's Raining Yen. Ah, see what they did there. That's clever, yeah. Uh, O'Neill said that that's what they will be singing if Tazawa joins his brand. And Titus alters Tazawa's war chant catchphrase to Cha! 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 (laughs) Ching! Before walking off. After the 205 Live theme plays, Corey Graves is joined at ringside by NXT's Vic Joseph. He's introduced as being the new play-by-play commentator for the show. They intro and hype the show's main event with Austin Aries addressing the WWE Universe as one of the main features of tonight's show. Well, highlights are shown from last night's FaceTime angle on Raw. Yes, FaceTime angle. Between who, Dan? 
Mamanta. And Alicia Fox. And, and Cedric Alexander. <laughs> yes. Uh, Cedric makes his way to the ring for the opening match, which was... Cedric Alexander versus Davari. Well, this match starts off with a very slow pace. The pace picks up when Alexander catches Davari off guard with, li- with his athleticism. He hits a succession of aerial moves when Cedric attempts to springboard off the top rope. His legs are taken out and Arari takes control of the match. He grounds Alexander with a chin lock. Alexander gets hit with the neck breaker when he attempts to rally. Davari stays on top with his aggressive style. Alexander attempts another rally but gets stopped in his tracks when Davari nails him with a high knee. Alexander gets caught in a sleeper hold. And the crowd goes along with him. Cedric eventually rallies and he's able to evade Davari's strikes attempts and hits a stiff forearm. Cedric then builds up momentum and hits a springboard clothesline. Alicia Fox, Alicia Fox shows up on the Titantron in FaceTime form. Now Amda comes out to ringside with his cell phone. Davari tries to steal a victory while Cedric is distracted. Alexander hits his lumbar check finisher on Davari and secures the victory. Yeah, well, Cedric Alexander defeats Davari by pinfall. And Cedric Alexander ends up knocking Noam Dar down from the apron. He takes his cell phone and hangs up on Alicia while she's still ranting and raving. After an ad for this Sunday's Money in the Bank show airs, highlights are shown of Austin Aries' submission match with Neville at Extreme Rules, where Austin losing when he was caught up in the rings of Saturn. Ares makes his way to the ring to address the WWE Universe. Well, he addresses what happened to him at Extreme Rules and how he expected to be Cruiserweight Champion at this point. Ares says that he isn't going to make excuses for his loss, despite the fact that Neville tapped out to the last chance for the outside the ring during their match. Ares takes blame for losing and admits he didn't come through when it counted most. Ares then addresses all the rumours surrounding him right now. How word has gotten around about his injuries, he cites his neck and knee. Ares announces that the rumours are true and that right now he hasn't received medical clearance to wrestle. Well, Ares admits that he doesn't know what is the future holds. He's then cut off by Tony Nice, which wasn't nice, who makes his way to the ring to address him. Well, Nice, who makes his way into the ring to address Ares, he tells him that he isn't what he used to be and that he's a fading star that he should save whatever dignity he has left and fade into the past. Nice then calls himself the future of the business. Ares is not impressed with Nice and how tough he is talking. He cites how he's already beaten Nice and made him tap out in the past. Ares compliments Nice as an athlete and compliments his abs. He notes that he notes the sit-ups Nice has done to get those abs but asks him what type of workout he has done to suddenly grow a set. <laughs> well, Nice responds by telling Aries that in his future, he doesn't have time for Austin's jokes. Just when it appears that Nice is going to get a music hits and he makes his way to the ring. He plays to the New Orleans crowd and says that it is a place for jokes. Gallagher confronts Tony Nice and calls him the biggest joke of all because he is no Austin Aries. Nice takes offence to Gallagher's comments and charges at him, but Gentleman Jack ends up striking Nice with his trusty umbrella, William III. The umbrella gets bent in half and Graves suggests that William is going to need medical attention. It is announced by Five Live, Drew Gulak will face Mustafa Ali, while Jack Gallagher will go one-on-one with Tony Nice. But we move on to tonight's main event, which, like we know, is Akira Tozawa versus TJP and TJP has been featured heavily recently in the main events of course losing to Austin Aries and to Neville recent times on 205 but Tazara is he next in line for a Cruiserweight title match Dan? Yeah you know I think that's certainly on the cards with Tazara he's 
built up a lot of momentum with the Florim. You know, the fans loved him, and every week when he comes out, he's always getting cheered quite heavily, and he's obviously born in a very great year as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> Zara trying to pin Perkins. But yeah, Perkins has been impressive. But to Zara, I think, like we say, is going to be next in line for Neville. And I think it would be a good matchup. But I, do you think the Titus O'Neill storyline is too close to the Brian Kendrick storyline that like we've literally just finished? You know, it's like one person trying to get him to join him. And we saw how long that went on to and how many lessons there was involved in that. And then to go on to another one, trying to get him to join his brand. And does it take away from the 205 Live show that they have to have a heavyweight wrestler coming into it? I know like well, yeah, with but... Sasha Banks making an appearance, I think that was acceptable. But with Titus only... But are they going to have it so like Apollo Crews beats up uh, Tazar and then they'll feud like that? You know, I mean, Like I say, at the moment, I know Titus Neal's a focal point, but Crews is meant to be a part of that brand as well and it kind of makes sense to bring Apollo Crews to 205 even if it's that way round to get him on the program because I think Apollo Crews is someone with the right build up we know his moveset could be successful there and I think you're right I don't think we need Titus O'Neil and if it is a name if you were going to pick any superstar on the roster to come down to 205 to help out Titus O'Neil probably wouldn't be top of that list would he you know exactly that yeah it's like who's not doing a lot on the main (laughs) roster yeah, you know, like Sami Zayn, maybe that would make sense, or, you know, someone like that. But even Kalisto, who I know he wrestled Cruz at Extreme Rules on the uh, kickoff. Bob Perk has been working on Tazawa in the majority of the match. Oh, Tazawa flies through the second rope with a lovely suicide dive going headfirst into Perkins and taking him down. Oh, beautiful, and after all the wear and tear, but we know how tough Tazawa is. Like I so said, with a feud with Kendrick and that great uh, hardcore match they had just a couple of weeks ago, Tazawa using his head. Perkins managing to kick out. Oh. You know, so Tazawa coming off the top, Perkins managing to dodge that, but can't dodge. And just like the amazing Spider-Man there, Tazawa managing to stand on his feet, respond with that beautiful kick. Now he's trying to get the crowd in it. Ah, 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 ah. The crowd a little bit flat at the moment, but Tazawa's trying to work it. Empty seats as well. You see him come off the top and drive in the senton. Oh. Perkins up to his feet. Oh, Tazawa took too much time. Manages to crutch Tazawa on the top rope. Can TJP get into this now? Well, Perkins, the first ever Cruiserweight champion of the new era. Of course, experience as well. <laughs> I wonder who called that. <laughs> You're still talking about that. Come on, get over it. And uh, <laughs> and he's, he's used all his experience there to cut Tazara at the top. But Tazara managing to fight him off. Ooh. Sends him back to the mat, but goes back down to terra firma himself. Spinning heel kick caught by Perkins. Oh... And then the face, but well, it wasn't a face bust, was it? Double underhook, face first into the knees. Yeah, but couldn't keep Cesaro down. Managing to kick out. Ooh. Now Perk is a bit frustrated. He's in a bit of pain, but Cesaro's got a far away look in his eye. His eyes are all glazed over, like he's been eating donuts. Well, the knees went to the chest. I think the feet hit him right in the face. And now Perkins looks to put him away. Maybe detonation kick. There's so many ways Perkins could put someone down, like, like we said. By calling them fat? <laughs> now, with a forearms by Tazara, Perkins trying to respond with uppercuts himself. Oh, both men trading blows in the middle of the ring, though. Tazara <laughs> hits TJP with a big elbow and sends him <laughs> crashing to the mat. Looks like he's in a position to be raped. <laughs> well, TJP is in big trouble now. Here comes Tazara, Irish whip. Oh. oh, but was TJP playing possum? 
catches his leg and gets the TJP clutch locked in or the knee bar, whatever he calls it. Now. And now Tazara in the middle of the ring. He's got nowhere to go. Struggling to get to the ropes. Act of desperation. And Perkins, he knows this and he's stopping Tazara. Pulling right back in the middle of the ring. Oh, but too much so. Tazara imagined to roll up for the pin. Oh. Close, but no cigar. Perk out of two. Two. Tazara, as he tries to get to his feet, Perkins catches a beautiful back heel kick. And I think the mouthpiece Tazara came out. Oh, gets him on his shoulders for a detonation kick. But Tazara manages to backslide. Yeah, beautiful. of kicks. Oh, and now he hits him with that back suplex. Folds him in half. Ah, ah, ah. And now Tazawa getting the crowd back into it, trying to finish this match. Yeah, the kids like him, and you can see the combinations between these two guys. Working well, like I say, Tazawa off to the top. Taking his sweet-ass time, now. But Perkins hasn't moved yet. Oh! oh big sent on <laughs> off the top. Two, three. Wow. Tazawa with the victory over Perkins. Well, we said Tazara might be next in line and a victory over TJP, a man who's been so close to recent times. Well, former champion as well. What did you think of the match? I thought it was a very good match. Both men have got brilliant chemistry together. They work well. I'd like to see them in a more high-profile match against each other. Yeah, well, I think for the time being, Tazara's, like I say, moving on up and TJP might take a few uh, few weeks to maybe come back, see where he is with himself if he wants to go forward as a face or a heel. Because we know he's got the talent, don't we? You know, and it's just depending on what they want to do. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think Perkins is quite sure if he's a face or a heel because, you know, all that business with Neville, like, you know, he was a face and then he went with Neville to be a heel and it seems like he's a bit more facey now because you see, like, the uh, the show of respect between the two after they had their first little encounter of a couple of great moves and then they shook hands after that, so... Yeah, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he ends up and Tazawa getting some height on yes. that <laughs> Just see the replay there. That was a beautiful move, Tazawa. But what have you thought of 205 Live these past four weeks then, Dan? As always, it's been brilliant. You know, it certainly lives up to the mark, especially now that a lot of the stale storylines have come to an end. So, that, you know, they're all moving on to bigger and better things. Like, you know, not seeing a Tazawa against Kendrick match yeah, yeah, week yeah. in, week out. So... You know, it's all good in my books. Yeah, if we move on to the next Raw pay-per-view, Great Balls of Fire, I'm sure the uh, Cruiserweight title will be on the line. And Tyson Hill looks happy in the back there as well. That's quite strong by Tyson Hill at the end. Go on, Dan. Well, is it? You know, I'm still debating because after what we've seen, normally a person in his position, they're normally a heel, but he seems a bit more facey. Yeah. No, it's really, really strong. Neville's saying he's had enough of it. Stop singing Titus because he was singing It's Raining Yen again. And uh, Neville saying that he's this, this drivel coming out of his mouth. Uh, and Titus Neil stopped him and said, no. Said, what is true is that my Titus brand is for the future and Tazara is the future Cruiserweight champion. And nice way to end. Of course, we'll compare it to NXT when we have our NXT update just a bit later. Uh, so, yes, this is WWE Talking Smack right after 205 Live, the last one that we have just watched. And we're going to update you. And this is, of course... Right, so yes, we start off with Renee Young and JBL. They welcome us to the show as they get into the Money in the Bank ladder matches. Renee talks about JBL having a ladder match against Jeff Hardy, and JBL says he's afraid of heights. Yes, and then Shinzuki fucking Nakamura joins the show, and he starts off speaking in Japanese, then moves to the topic of him climbing to the ladder to finish off SmackDown. 
which is probably the first time he did that. He says it was a bit wobbly. Well, JBL asks how he could prepare for this Sunday's match. And Nakamura says he needs to go to Home Depot and practice. He continued that he wanted to come to WWE to do new things and a ladder match is something new for him. Nakamura talks about how he doesn't plan his entrance. It's how he feels. Renee asks about each of his Money in the Bank opponents and he says Owens and Zayn both talk too much. Ziggler thinks he could do well in Japan thanks to his wrestling ability. That's quite a big uh, compliment by Nakamura, doesn't it? He thinks Ziggler could do well. I know, sorry. Um, Moving to AJ Styles, he says it's a perfect 100 after saying Ty Dillinger is a perfect 10. Yeah, you do know that. And wants to take him on again in WWE. JBL asks if AJ is the best Nakamura has ever faced. Nakamura says he love a- he loves AJ style in the ring. Lastly, Baron Corbin, who he says doesn't have ladder experience, but he has size to make up for that. Nakamura talks about surfing and how he hung out a bit with James Ellsworth before leaving the show. <laughs> well, I mean, what are they doing with Nakamura at the moment? He had a match with Owens on SmackDown as well. That kind of allure, you know, that kind of character that we loved with Nakamura. It's getting lost a little bit on SmackDown, isn't it? It you know? is, yeah. Um, like, why they don't just treat him like a Brock Lesnar, I, I'll, I'll never know. Do you know what I mean? Just, you know, off and on again. But anyway... Uh, oh, fuck me. Renee and JBL. Renee and JBL get into when superstars should decide to cash in a contract. JBL said it's really just up to the star whether they wait for months or cash in the uh, same night. They move on to the women's money in blank ladder match. And JBL says Natalia is a dark horse. Uh, WWE champion Jinder Mahal joins the show then, doesn't Sorry, he? Sorry, James. Um, I think you've missed out <laughs> no. an entire segment here. <clears throat> and it's a shame we, we should have watched it, really. But the hype bros join the show. Uh, we should say as well, because we're getting news filtered out. Yeah, they've announced a kickoff match that I haven't actually got down on the Money Bank predictions. Brizango. Not Brizango, no. The Colons. No, even worse. Colons versus the other team I hate. Zack Ryder's back now. Oh. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I might not even bother with a kickoff. Do you know that? I might just result. I don't want to watch his match. Like, it offends me. It hurts me. Unlike this now where Perk's got the submission in. I fucking hate Mojo Rawley. He's such a cunt. He really is. Like, there's no way about it. I don't I don't care. I mean, like, it will be Enzo versus um, Conor McGregor in a couple of years' time in WWE as well, won't it? You know, big Enzo Moro. I mean, how fucking useless is Big Cass and Enzo? I was thinking about this the other day. Enzo's not too bad. But Big Cass doesn't look like a normal human being. He's just got weird chest area as well. He's got weird face. How, well, how's come weirder out? than fucking Test chest with his fucking nipples pointing down? Honestly, Test looked much better than Big Cass. I mean, Big Cass is, I can't even think of the level that he looks at. He looks like one of like Jesse, you know, uh, Festus back in the day. I know Luke Gallows has changed his look now, but that kind of look. <laughs> that fucking moron look. My dream for that rider to get a chair, beat the fuck out of Mojo Rawley. Do you know, that would be my dream. And even then, I'd cheer Ryder, but I wouldn't care for Mojo. If they do it the other way around, they try and turn Mojo Hill, it will be silence. I am not cheering, I am not booing. You don't need to turn him Hill for me to like, oh yeah, I like Mojo now. No, fucking useless. Well, it's like, he's not liked so much that like, well, we might as well Give him a reason not to be liked, you know. Yeah, I know. When he comes out, so we make him a hill. I mean, I don't know how much merchandise he's selling at the moment. You know, he might be... Uh... No, he's a fucking tool. 
Well, I was doing some scouting trying to find Mojo Rawley t-shirts and they don't actually sell Mojo Rawley. <laughs> they sell Hype Bros t-shirts. <laughs> fucking brilliant. But they sell his fucking stupid bits of tape that go under his eyes. <laughs> so they James, don't you'll sell be that, kitted do right out if you do lose predictions. Well, can I just say, I, we did talk about the start of the episode, but Kurt, Kurt Hawkins has welcomed his first child. I mean, my new favourite wrestler after the shit he said about Mojo Rawley. And uh, yeah, him and his wife Elizabeth. Lovely first child, Mackenzie Rose. Well done. There you go, Kurt Hawkins, my new favourite wrestler. Keep you up to date. Happy Father's Day, mate. Because we fucking hate Mojo Rawley here. Well, I hate him. I, Dan, I'm sure you dislike him as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to be your wrestler of I the have, year. I have no feelings towards <laughs> Mojo. Uh, hey, I hate Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Yeah. Well, I hate Enzo Amore more specifically. I, no, I, I, I just like Enzo's a nothing. Like he cut his hair off, his gimmick's gone. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Big Cass is the threat. Just like Mo, it's the height, it's the size. They're going to be repackaged over and over again. The amount of heel turn, the amount of just shit I can see. Because Vince sees these guys, goes, God damn, they could be my number three baby face, like Ryback or someone like that. Oh yeah, I see. You know, I, I, I fucking happy times, scary, scary times. But as you know, we've we've mentioned before on. On Big Cass, when he comes in the ring, it's stinger splash, stinger yeah, splash, yeah, big yeah, boot, yeah. big elbow, big yeah. knee. He's got no technical ability. He's got no ability. No, I, I think it's the same with both of it, Mojo and uh, Big Cass. Just, they don't connect, do they, in the ring? They don't, they're literally there just to do it. It's not their first love. Oh, I don't know about Big Cass, but I know Mojo. It's not his first love. He'd rather be out drinking or playing American football. You know, it wasn't like a kid watching a wrestling at home saying, yeah, this is what I want to do. Uh, and I just feel that as well. Ryder says it's seven months to the day since his knee injury. And then he talks about his recovery and something called the squatty potty. Oh. Ryder talks about how Mojo had called, had his moment when he won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. I reminds everyone that he won the number one contender spot for the team when he blew his knee out. Can I just say quickly, it's amazing how far Mojo went in seven months since Ryder's lab. Seven months since that Ryder's been out. Who the fuck knows? Who noticed that? What has he been doing? And don't forget, before Mojo's big moment at Mania, the year before was that Ryder's big moment when he won the Intercontinental title and it lasted for a day. So, I'm sorry, but all right, go on. <coughs> anyway, <laughs> Ryder said he hurt his knee when jumping up for the rough Ryder. JBL asks about if Mojo wants to go back to being a tag team but Ryder said they would be fools to pass up an opportunity at Tag Team Gold. And Mojo was in agreement. Renee compliments the jazz band that can and how WWE will be returning to New Orleans for WrestleMania. Well, okay, so now we get some sense. And, well, I say that, WWE Champion Jinder Mahal, which is a sentence I never thought I'd be saying Fuck two months ago. <laughs> two months ago with the Singh Brothers. Uh, Mahal thinks Renee has been trying to keep him off the show since it's been so long since he appeared last. Mahal reminds Renee that she didn't think he would win the title and that Randy Orton is past his prime while he is entering his prime. While Mahal himself is entering his. Do you agree with that, Dan? I don't think Randy Orton's past his prime. Well, Renee asked about Orton sneaking up on Mahal tonight and attacking him. Mahal responds it was supposed to be a face-to-face meeting and that he's a coward. He says that Money in the Bank, Orton's dad will be, the front, be in the front row and he will beat Orton in his hometown. Jinder says he has a plan, but he won't give it away other than he will leave money in the bank as WWE champion. And Mahal heads off the set. 
JBL asked Renee why she was upsetting the champion and she tried to explain herself that Orton has a great resume, so it's tough to pick against him. Renee asked JBL if Orton Renee asked JBL if he thinks if Orton will win. JBL thinks with his hometown behind him he will be, be- he better or he will never win against Jim. So thank everyone for watching and we are out. Yeah, so that is it. That was the last bit of hype for the Money in a Bank pay-per-view. Are you looking forward to the Money in a Bank pay-per-view? Gonna be releasing it on the day basically. Um I'm looking forward to some aspects of it, but you know, other aspects it's uh you know, I'm, I'm excited to see the women's ladder match. Yes, yeah, that I will think that would be very interesting if they play it right. And, you know, again, with the men's ladder match, a few other matches on there that don't really float my boat, but yeah, hey-ho. Yeah, hey-ho. Like we say, the kickoff match that we've just announced as well. So now it's time for our new network content, and we start with the new collections for June. Dan? WWE Network honours longtime WWF champion Bruno Sammartino with the collection San Martino The Legend Lives. San Martino and Vince McMahon Jr. have had a have long had a stormy relationship after Vince Jr. took over the territory from Vince Senior. Yeah, Triple H is said to have mended fences between WWE and the eighty one year old San Martino, leading to his Hall of Fame induction in twenty thirteen. Amongst other things, Samantino blames Vince for the influx of steroids into the business and the impact that had on his son, David. The other collection WWE will be adding is the ladder match Reaching for Glory, and it will focus on the evolution of ladder matches. Yeah, I think they're both very different collections, I would say, Dan, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, most definitely, yeah. And we'll be catching up with Bruno Sammartino at some point, talking about the legends of wrestling. You know, we haven't talked about them enough. Maybe we'll have a programme looking at them. And, of course, the ladder matches, we've watched every TLC match, I would say, in its history on the podcast. I might be wrong. Uh, but we've seen a fair amount of ladder matches, Dan, haven't we? We've seen a lot of ma- a lot of ladder matches, and they've all been very entertaining, uh, you know, to say the least. Yeah, exactly. So, so we've got new network programs, and again, part of the collections is Tuesday Night Titans. Over fifty episodes have been added. Hang on a second. Yes, Titans of Tuesday Night. More than fifty episodes added, as you mentioned. Travel back to the mid nineteen eighties and relive WWE's electric talk show Tuesday Night Titans. Host Vince McMahon, along with sidekick Lord Alfred Hayes. Welcome a literal who's who of WWE superstars like Macho Man Randy Savage, Brett the Hitman Hart, Junkyard Dog and more. Yeah, so they've been doing that each month. I mean, it's not really... I don't know if it's an added collection because they're just adding content to the library, but still, it's quite impressive. We move on and new programmes. Well, we've got the New Day's Fantastic Ride, which was May 23rd. So I know you've had enough of the New Day, Dan, so I'll just keep this very, very brief. Thank you. Uh, so it was a brief look at their three years together and we have an inside look at their Final Fantasy entrance for Mania. Now, I'm not a Final Fantasy fan, but I didn't realise they were actually in character. I didn't get the uh, reference even though. No, exactly. So maybe, you know, I don't know, but they did come out like that. Um, uh, Woods talked about how passionate he was about the games. Of course, Final Fantasy, the collection there. And we've watched Up, Up, Down, Down, which has just marked a year on the network. So this was kind of like a half-hour chunk about the new day. I'm sure we will get a new day DVD at some point. All right, so then table for free, which was the uh, 29th of May. So we're with Eric Bischoff, Jim Cornette, and Michael P.S. Hayes. Dan? Uh, the much anticipated episode filmed over WrestleMania weekend in Orlando. We'll see Bischoff and Cornette sit down and talk for the first time in over 20 years. The two were big enemies in the past and both hated each other pretty much equally. 
Bischoff wants to describe Cornette as a low-rent con man who is only capable of moving the internet wrestling community and pretty much downplayed his storied career. Cornette fired back at Bischoff, pointing out that the company Bischoff was in charge of, WCW, lost more money than any promotion he'd ever worked for in his career. The animosity between the two grew even stronger when Cornette was released from his TNA duties just before Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff were brought in in 2010. So what we're going to do now quickly, we have watched the whole show, and we'll go over more detail in a minute, but we're just going to watch the opening uh, couple of minutes. And and what I did was the absolute disdain in their faces. It, it, it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen on the WWE Network. <laughs> What the fuck's up with Vince Russo? He's my Facebook friend. Oh, uh, no. My Twitter friend. <laughs> and they cheers for that. All right, Dan. So there we go. We, we just watched the first four minutes. What were your thoughts on it? Well, you could cut the tension <laughs> around that table with a knife. Uh, you know, it's, it's fair play. They're all making light of it now, you know. 20, 30 years on from all this. And, and you know, Eric Bischoff correcting James Cornett's, like, you know incorrect thinking of uh, how it went down and, you know, who's relying on what he heard from Stooges. And, you know, it's interesting to hear both sides of their stories and, you know, how it actually went down in their both both their opinions. Yeah, I mean, Table 3 is smashing it at the moment. Uh, my One of my favourite programmes, probably my favourite programme on the network, is Legends of Roundtable, when you have the four guys, JR or me and Gene Oakland as the host. And I think with this, it's really bringing out the best. Like, we've had the AJ, J. Markles and Nash one we had. That was brilliant. Which is really, really good. And this one, I think, is the best one yet, you know, because we're actually hearing stuff that we never heard before. And like I said, they never, ever met uh, and to, or to talk to each other. And it's just brilliant. Michael Hayes is literally there just to keep the peace, you know, because... <laughs> and you can see is you know, he's a VP of executives or whatever he is. Well, yeah, he's, he's, still, he's still running the creative uh, committee here on, yeah, SmackDown. And big part of WWE. Uh, but the next episode after this uh, was June 5th. And it had, Dan, who did it have on it? It had uh, Randy Orton, Ric Flair and Bruno Sammartino. Three champions spanning three generations share amazing stories from their legendary careers. You say that, but Bruno Sammartino is saying, what day is it? And Ric Flair still trying to woo and say, you know, 16 time around you and just doesn't care, does he? He's just there, doesn't <laughs> care about it. But would you pay to see Randy Orton, Ric Flair and Bruno Sammartino in the same room, Dan? Do you think Randy Orton deserves to be in that company of legends? Um, well, you know, you've got the longest reigning champion, or one of the longest reigning champions. Yes, Bruno Sammartino you know, is the longest uh, reigning, yeah. The most reigning title wins. Yeah. And obviously Randy another Orton. legend, Randy Orton. <laughs> yeah. You know, who's the most tightest and rippedest wrestler of all time. Yeah, well, anyway, we move on from that. And the 5th of June, we had WWE Music Power 10. And that returned to count down the most spectacular superstar entrances and musical performances for WrestleMania in Orlando. This is the first, this is the second program in the series. The first program was 2015. So I don't know if there's going to be another one soon, but I thought I'd just mention it. Probably a couple of years. Time. So yeah, we talk about new network programs and the new WWE network programs and WWE Bring It to the Table continues to find its footing. It's fifth episode and fourth with the lineup of Peter Rosenberg, JBL and Corey Graves debuted last night. Well, I say last night, June 12th, and it's probably its strongest yet. But it's still a weird work shoot version of a hot take program where the fact is it's a WWE owned and produced affair with the colours everywhere you see and here. Still, it's interesting to get the biggest wrestling company in history's 
spin on the topics which fans and insiders argue about on Twitter. And in comment sections and in Rosenberg, Graves and JBL, they've assembled three believable voices to put forth differing viewpoints. Yeah, uh, take, bring it to the tables, handing of the Rip Rogers, Randy Orton dive controversy. Controversy. After establishing he wouldn't comment on the beef between his friends, Orton and Buddy Ray. Yeah, so JBL said he wasn't going to talk about it, then he started talking about it. Uh, here is the transcript. JBL said, Guys do dives because they don't know how to work. Guys do flips because they don't know how to work. I watch these guys do tryouts every single week at WWE. I sit there at the announcer's desk and watch these guys come in. Oh, you, you have so few guys who even know how to lock up, how to put a headlock on properly. All they do is get a headlock because they don't want to go on to the next move. They want to do some silly, stupid dive. They want to get the crowd chanting, holy shit. You want to talk about matches that matter? Randy Orton can go out there. John Cena can go out there. AJ Styles can go out there and put together matches that matter. And they don't have to do silly dives because they not because they don't know how to work. Yeah, but Pete Rosenberg said, "Don't you think it's ironic, though?" And believe me, I'm the last person who wants to have a problem with Randy on backstage, who I don't know at all. But Randy is one guy who some people, even Triple H, has sort of alluded to, don't necessarily leave it all in the ring every single time. And don't you think it's a little bit unfair to paint all those guys? The only reason they dive is to get a cheap pop. There are guys who work and dive, aren't there? Uh, and Graves' response is, there absolutely are. This is one of the rare cases I'll say, John, you're wrong. The business has evolved. I understand you and I have talked at great length about the history of the business and some of the... Well, JBL says, you and I were talking about the Buddy Rogers-Pat O'Connor match, 1963, which I thought was great and you thought it was... Incredibly boring. I understand the contribution these guys made, but just like in any form of entertainment, things evolve. The audience's attention span has changed. You need to do more high-impact things. Do I think you need 30 dives and 30 super kicks a match? Absolutely not. But for everyone to be kind of dismissive of guys who work at that high-flying style that are the daredevils, the cruiserweights. I think 205 Live would be the best show on television if all the guys got to do what they are able to do all the time. It's not a matter of not being able to work. Maybe sometimes guys don't have, don't have the great physiques or they're undersized, but you want to get the world talking about what you're doing. Last year, there were a couple of guys named Will Ospreay and Ricochet, who over in Japan had this match, and it set the internet on fire. And you had a very similar discussion. A lot of the old-timers saying, this isn't wrestling, this sucks. This isn't whatever, whatever. The fact is, these guys want to get noticed. They want to get their name out on the grand stage, and it worked. Do I think the match would work in WWE? Not necessarily. But they're two incredibly talented guys who deserve to be recognised for what they can do. And I think the business is evolving. It's changing. It's changing. John Cena goes to the top rope, but does he have to dive? No. But guess what he does? Roman Reigns dives from time to time. I've seen The Undertaker do it. That doesn't mean they can't work. They're the greatest of all time. It's a situational thing. Sometimes it's overdone, but you look at baseball. What's the big ask, big argue with baseball right now? Well, Rosenberg says tossing the bat. It's too slow. It's been around for generations now. Current day fans can't dedicate three hours to work. Right, that's where that's why they want to see players hit home run and toss their bat and celebrate a little bit. But you can watch a three-hour NFL game. You can watch a three-hour NBA game, but you can't watch three hours of highlights. Okay, and this Will Ospreay, look, this match was fantastic. Can they put on? Can they put a hundred thousand people in Cowboy Stadium? Can they put two million people or approaching two million people on the network? I'm not sure they can. 
and most of these indie guys i'm not making fun of guys working hard i'm making fun of guys for working stupid because i think they're doing stuff like that to compensate for the fact they have not had the ability to learn how to work and i think it hurts the business you watch these matches i watch these matches every night sitting at ringside you watch some of these guys on our roster who do flip after flip after flip dive after dive dive. there's nothing there you let somebody get out there and put on a masterpiece together like cena and aj styles does the place is rocking well, this is a pretty good encapsulation of the larger discussion. And hey, Osprey and Ricochet shout outs on the network. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's still obviously designed to put over the WWE as the end all and be all of sports entertainment, right? Down to closing with JBL echoing Orton's drawing power arguments. Still, if there's definite meta appeal in wondering who Bradshaw is talking about when he criticizes the roster. Or if Corey is speaking for anyone with backstage pull when he criticises 205 Live for not letting the cruiserweights cut loose. And this wasn't the only topic where work or shoot was a game worth playing. Other segments where I found myself asking those questions included Is Lana Lanou Eva Marie? And are there legit concerns about whether she can work a decent match on Sunday at Money in the Bank? Do folks uh, consider Dean Ambrose in the kind of title run as a bust? And are there doubts over Bade, at least in a current gimmick, working on the main roster? We'll likely never get definitive answers to these questions, but that's part of the fun of being a wrestling fan. And bring it to the table seems to be figuring out how to be part of that fun. And next up, in a somewhat strange move, WWE's quite released... A new feature on the uh, on the network where Matt and Jeff Hardy chat with Corey Graves about the return to the company and plans for the future. Entitled Original Specials Reborn by Fate, Hardy's interview. The 14-minute video recently showed up in the video's on-demand original section. It is typically a well-produced piece which showcases some previously unreleased footage of the brothers sneaking in for their surprise re-debut at WrestleMania 33 and greeting old friends backstage after winning the Raw Tag Titles in Orlando. Well, they hit most of the topics you expect. Personal goals, W title, Jeff has to be in a Hell in a Cell match on his bucket list. Dream opponents, both would like to face Roman Reigns while Matt also there's Seth Rollins, Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt and overcoming the issues which led to their leaving the WWE after past runs. A variety of things, but becoming fathers was key for each of them. But the headline-grabbing discussion is about their broken gimmick ownership, of which has been claimed by Anthem Entertainment, <coughs> the new owners of the promotion where the Hardys made the concept famous, TNA Impact Wrestling. Well, it first comes up when Graves asked Matt if it's difficult to go back to a character he hasn't played in a while himself. For me, it was a very odd. It, for me, it was very odd going back to being regular Matt Hardy version one or Matt Hardy Team Extreme. It was tricky at first. It was hard to actually be me, which sounds strange, but it was because I got so used to my other thing, things I've created or morphed into, almost became. I felt like I wanted to go back to being plain old Matt Hardy in many ways. It's still within me. It's still contained, and I think when the time is right, I will unleash it again. Then the Royal Commentator just brings up the broken personas made famous in 2016 with things like total non-stop deletion. The Hardys acknowledge the legal reasons they're not playing those characters right now, but don't hesitate to promote a belief they will eventually do so on WWE television at some point in the future. Well, about the elephant in the room. <laughs> no, Jack's walked in then. Uh, uh, to the best of your ability, what is the status of your shattered or broken personals, personal, personas. personas coming here 
in the WWE. Matt responded by saying, I definitely think there's a chance. It's something that's a work in progress. Unfortunately, because of legal reasons, I can't go into that right now. But I find it very flattering and humbling that every time we come to wrestle in front of the WWE Universe, they chant and address it and they acknowledge Please keep doing that. We love it when they do that. And hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll be able to go into a bit more detail about everything. Well, when it happens, I'm not going to say if. When it happens, it's going to be the most exciting thing to hit WWE programming in a long, long time. We're going to keep people guessing. And Jeff said, I'm so glad that my middle name's Nero. I've always loved it, but I love it now more than ever. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you my brother, comma, Nero. See, they can't do anything about that. Know what I mean? That WWE unceremoniously, unceremoniously dropped this special on a Monday is going to raise some eyebrows. But regardless of why they chose to do that, the content of it is going to generate some hope and excitement among fans. Well, combine their quotes with the fact we've just experienced the first lull in verbal hostilities between the Hardys and Anthem in months, maybe there's cause for optimism. And there was a quick update. This was promoted on Raw, featuring during, uh, featured during the new Bring It to the Table, and now it's highlighted on the front page of WWE.com. So while it was initially posted about fanfare, there seems to be a case of... Uh, putting a carp full of horse for just a few hours so my fault for being too damn ahead of them you know exactly move on to news wwe have named the women's classic the may young classic and uh tournaments are awesome as you know last year wwe ran the cruiserweight classic which is still being fondly remembered and now it's time for a new tournament and this time they're shifting away from cruiserweights and over to a women's version a 32 women tournament will take place in july and now we have some more details on what to expect. Yes, the, the current plan is to have two female announcers to go along with. The rumoured names at the moment would be a combination of maybe Renee Young, Charlie Caruso, Lita or Beth Phoenix. And there's also a chance of female referees, including the recently signed uh, Kennedy Brink. So uh, the combination of uh, the announcers... Ed just shagged 50% of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, he has. <laughs> or it could be Lita and Beth Lita Phoenix. Beth Phoenix. Both them, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you would have suspect, yeah, you'd have Renee Young hosting alongside a women's wrestler and then, you know, yeah. switching. I mean, what's your opinion, Dan? Well, if it gets them out of cooking and cleaning and doing the washing, <laughs> then yeah, fair play to them. If it's anything like the Cruiserweight in the UK tournament, I'm all for it. You know, and having female uh, announcers and female referees, yeah, you know. They're on the up and up, so why not? Well, they certainly have a blueprint to make this work. But I'm always a bit sceptical about bringing a lot of outside talents because they've always gone in there. Uh, But you can also guarantee a few hidden gems to balance them out. If the production is great, which it should be, and it's treated as a big deal, which it will be with Stephanie McMahon right there and, you know, giving advertising as much as she can be, everything should be fine. With the announcement of the May Young Club WWE and fans alike are going crazy with the possibilities who may appear in the tournament. Given the tournament includes superstars from multiple countries around the world, enter Viper. Yes, well, we are reporting that Scottish wrestler Viper is expected to work the May Young Classic in July, Dan. Should be interesting. She should team up with Randy Orton. Uh, Viper you, you, is. A... You know, you made that joke in January. <laughs> I'll continue making it until I it know, comes every true. Time. Viper is a prominent talent in the UK as she competes for promotions including Insane Championship Wrestling, World of Sports and What Culture Pro Wrestling. She currently has a contract with ITV for World of Sports, though it is unknown if this will affect her potentially appearing as they have nothing going on right now. Well, WWE now have uh, officially confirmed the first few 
people into the tournament, Dan. So international standout, Tony Storm, NXT superstars Lacey Evans and Sarah Logan, and Lucha Libre champion Princessa Sugar Hit are the first four competitors officially confirmed for WWE's inaugural May Young Classic. The announcement brings into focus the global scale of the 32-woman tournament coming this summer to the award-winning WWE Network. Well, 21-year-old Tony Storm is the first and reigning Progress Women's Champion in the United Kingdom. Already an eight-year veteran, Storm has carved out a reputation worldwide. Born in New Zealand, raised in Australia and based in the UK, she wrestled in 13 countries before age 20, capturing championships along the way. With an aesthetic flair that finds inspiration Woo. in... Plus a ring style that is equal parts technical and hard-hitting, Storm looks to impress on the biggest stage yet in the classic. Yes, and Lacey Evans of Paris Island now is a familiar face of WWE Network subscribers. A newcomer inside of the yellow ropes of NXT... Evans joined the WWE Performance Center in April 2016. Prior to pursuing sports entertainment, she served in the US Marine Corps for five years, including time spent as military police and a member of the Special Reactions Team, which is why, which is the Marine equivalent of a SWAT team. Nicknamed the Lady of NXT, Evans says she hopes to use her platform in WWE to show women all over the world, including her four-year-old daughter, that there are no limits on what you can achieve. Yeah, up next, Hayden from Louisville, Kentucky, Sarah Logan is proud to have been born in the woods and raised in the mud, as she, <laughs> as she puts it. Like Evans, Logan is an NXT competitor and recruit at the Performance Center. She began her in-ring career on the US Independence in 2011 and quickly gained notoriety for a rough and tumble fights. She refined her skills in Japan under former WWE Light Heavyweight Champion Takamichi Noku. Indeed. Before signing with WWE in October 2016, Logan has also won Olympic powerlifting competitions, made her NXT debut earlier this year. One of the most ex- esteemed grapplers in Mexico, the masked Princess Sugar Hit. <laughs> Princessa Sugar Hit. Sugar Hit, then, Dan. She's one of the most esteemed grapplers from in Mexico. Uh, the masked Shigay from Monterey brings 20 years of experience to the classic since turning professional in 1996. Shigay has earned countless accolades while competing in her home country's top organisations, CMLL and AAA. Not only that, she has claimed the masks of numerous rivals over the years, which is considered the ultimate sign of triumph in Lucha Libre. She's also the current Mexican national women's champion. Yes. And talking about the May Young tournament, we've got another list who WWE haven't confirmed, but we've confirmed they're going to be uh, part of this as well. So Dan, seeing as you're so good with the names, you start off with the first athlete, please. Zhao Xia. Zhao Xia. She's the first Chinese woman to sign a developmental deal with the company. She has trained in martial arts, and finished first place in martial art, in multiple martial arts and fitness competitions, which include second world traditional Chinese Wushu Championship, the Nike Challenge competition, and the first China Throwdown Battle on the Bund. Well, next up, Mary Kate, formerly Is, known. Um, she part of that Mary Kate and Ashley? Yeah, I think Do she's I? the sister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mary Kate. <laughs> Uh, Mary Kate, formerly known as Rosie Lot of Love in TNA. No joke about that. <laughs> no, no, got nothing on that. No, what's funny about that? She originally trained as the uh, at the Team 3D Academy and later remade herself from scratch on the independent scene, which included a tour 
in Japan. Yes, and we've also got Lionel Blair's daughter, Bianca Blair. She's a former CrossFit and track star who signed with WWE back in April of 2016. Right, and also we've got Kamala's uh, daughter, Danielle Kamala, trained by Rikishi Knox Pro Wrestling School in Arizona. Kamala has worked as an on-air personality Camilla. for Fox... What? Camila. You say Camila, Dan. I say Kamala. Once you see her with all the face... Yeah, once you see her with all the face... Saying. Uh, yeah, anyway, she was... Um, Former Arizona Cardinals cheerleader and well, hang on a minute. She's a cheerleader and she's that big. I mean, anyway, and remember, she went at the top of the pyramid. Yes, yeah, she was the base. She was the, <laughs> the strong own. foundation there. And remember, the Phoenix Suns dance team. She was one of the top thirty finalists for the most recent iteration of the WWE Tough Enough. And uh, no mocking on this girlfriend. We have uh, Julia Ho. She's uh, obviously married to Ho Ho Lun. <laughs> No, because then if Ho Ho Lun took her name, it would be Ho Ho Ho. Ho Ho Ho. <laughs> no relation to Santa it's Claus. It's Santa Claus, yeah. Anyway. Anywho. Um, <clears throat> Julia Ho is a Canadian model and MMA fighter. She trained with Brian Kendrick before being signed. Well, this is a name I always have trouble with. Kimberly Frankelli. 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 Isn't it Frankelli? It is Frank Healy. All right. Kimberly Frank Healy, the former Kimberly, now with WWE. Frank Healy is a former Shakara Grand Champion. Yes, uh, Lacey Evans. She recently debuted on NXT and is a former Marine. Yes. Victor Gonzalez. Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans was confirmed on the WWE one. Uh, yeah, Victoria Gonzalez. Gonzalez is a daughter of Rudy Boy Gonzalez. She played basketball for two seasons at Texas A&M Kingsville before transferring to Sam Houston State. Redshirting for one year and being a player. Redshirting, I guess that's an American football thing. Redshirting for one year and being a player the other before she graduated in 2013. She signed a development contract with WWE last year. Well, Sarah Logan, who we already know. Former Crazy Mary Dobson also recently debuted on NXT. Yeah, and last but by no means least, you got Tyano Amela. Amela Hallow, a Brazilian Hallow, has a black belt in judo and signed last year with the WWE. Some very fierce competitors then. It's going to be absolutely brilliant, isn't it? You know, I'm really looking forward to it. Like the uh, Cruiserweights we had last year, we're going to see so many new women and so many different styles of wrestling. Yes, uh, wrestlers will film the 32 women tournament wrestlers will film they will film the 32 women tournament on the 13th and 14th of july at full sail university in winter park florida for the wwe network wwe has the intention to air a preview special for the tournament on the 20th of august likely following SummerSlam. <coughs> the tournament would then begin the last week of august and have the first round air that week with the second airing the first week of september both as video on demand. The finals of the tournament are expected to air following SmackDown Live on the 12th of October in Las Vegas. Wrestling rumours have previously reported a number of names that are expected to compete in the tournament that have not been included on this confirmed list. This includes ICW veteran Viper, who should be going out with Randy Orton, said that one before. <laughs> said that last week, said it in January, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a number of former TNA t- TNA knockouts and B Priestley, the girlfriend of one Rick Willow Spray. 
Nearly said Ricochet. Ricochet, yeah. <laughs> got Ricochet on the brain. Hang on a minute. You split Ricochet's name up. It does sound like, sound like Willow Spray. Willow Spray and Ricochet Spray. No, I'm going out with Rick O'Shea. <laughs> Rick Willow Spray. Rick O'Spray. Willow Spray. <laughs> but we now have further details of the WK division and the brand's upcoming bi-weekly events. The current plan calls for tapings every six weeks for live events to run every other week in the UK featuring UK contracted talent. The time frame for the tapings have not yet been finalised and it may well be several more months until tapings for the series begin. And what will be exciting once we get to see where they are, as long as they're not up north too much, do you know what I mean? We, ah, we can see a few of them. The top stars in the division, namely Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, Tyler Bate, Wolfgang and Mark Andrews have reportedly signed US contracts that will allow them to drop in on Florida-based Performance Centre when needed. The top stars will likely remain in the United Kingdom to focus on the built-in UK brand rather than to continue working cameo appearances on NXT. So a bit like what we saw when we saw NXT Live, I guess. I don't know. I like to see them doing cameo appearances on NXT. I yeah. think it helps build brands and it's also something good for NXT as well. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Right, next story. Updated news, of course, because we uh, record this over kind of like a month period, really, don't we, and release it right at the end when we can. Well, breaking this week, uh, Bray Wyatt's wife has filed for divorce and accused the WWE star of having an affair with another WWE superstar. <gasps> it's not, it's not Randy Orton, is it? No. According to the DailyMail.co.uk, the divorce documents filed in Hernando County accused Wyatt of cheating on Samantha Rotunda. And uh, his college, college sweetheart and wife of five years with WWE ring announcer Jojo. Yeah, the 23-year-old ring announcer is also a former star of the e-reality show Total Divas. Samantha Wyatt's high-profile Miami lawyer Ray Raffle told DailyMail.com that that alleges he has obtained phone records showing that Wyatt is maintaining maintaining continuous contract contact. With Jojo. Well, easy for you to say, Dan, but the Daily Mail went on to say that according to Samantha's divorce petition, she and Wyatt were married in 2012 and separated in March after Wyatt allegedly walked out on her and their two daughters, six and four. Weird names. <laughs> Wyatt has filed his own counter petition, petition to the divorce, requesting an injunction that would legally request his wife to keep quiet about the split. Well, so he's not just the eater of wells, he's the eater of pussies. He is indeed. The counter, Wyatt claims she made defamatory statements about the husband to several people in the community in an effort to ruin his reputation. He also accuses her of posting lies on social media in an effort to damage the husband's business ventures in the entertainment industry. Well, Bray Wyatt and his wife met in college at Troy University in 2005. And like rock star or pro athletes, pro wrestlers were the worst possible jobs for someone trying to maintain a healthy family life. And with WWE stars on the road 50 weeks a year, the family bonds often fray and wrestlers look for companionship with people in their immediate circle, Edgen Lita. <clears throat> yes, we certainly don't know if the allegations of Wyatt's affair with JoJo have any truth to them. We've got an update on this. Pro wrestling fans love a good scandal, but to be honest, this statement shouldn't be limited to just fans of WWE. In all reality, people in general love a good scandal, especially if it's a love triangle. In many ways, WWE's backstage can be more like a soap opera, more like a soap opera than it has ever on screen, than it ever is on screen. This is why last season of Total Divas was so frustrating when they cut out all the good stuff about Paige and Alberto Del Rio. The televised stories can be controlled, edited and cleaned up a little bit, 
but when you peel back the surface layer of backstage life within the WWE, things can get a little bit more scurrilous. Well, the eater of wells might be consuming more than humanity right now, as he, he could be preparing to face a hardcore divorce very soon as well. Like we say, news broke yesterday that Bray Wyatt's wife was filing divorce and citing an affair as the root of the problem. Or no known official document, word got out that a special someone to Bray was indeed W Ring announcer JoJo. Fans were shocked and jokes were a ban when this tantalising tidbit leaked concerning one of WWE's most ominous characters. Besides, who knew, Jujo, uh, jo- who knew JoJo was so into beers and dreadlocks? To add even more fuel to the fire of intrigue, Bray Wyatt and JoJo arrived at Raw together in the Cajun Dome last night. The couple is apparently travelling together, or at least they shared a rental car from the airport. In Bray's promo last night, he sent out a warning to those who might blaspheme his name. That message might have been double-sided, to say the least. He is currently trying to file an injunction against his wife for her to stop revealing the kind of personal information. Well, Dan, in all reality, we probably know already way more than he would like us to know. And any more news out concerning the situation, we can only assume the tangled web of Bray Wyatt will be unveiled and the mystique of his character might add another layer of interest, you know? Let's just hope this controversy doesn't cause him to start losing every week. Bray didn't wrestle for the Louisiana fans last night on TV, but he did lose a dark match to Roman Reigns. That's coming up a week after he lost to Roman Reigns on Monday Night Raw. <clears throat> Yes, and uh, a little bit more news. We have been following the Ronaldo story. This should be the last bit of news for a while. <laughs> In a move which all but officially closes the doors on his tumultuous run with WWE, MMA company Bellator has announced earlier today that they've signed Ronaldo to a multi-event deal to broadcast their shows starting with the June 24th show in New York City. Well, as we know, Ronaldo was hired by WWE in late 2015 and was assigned as a lead voice of SmackDown to play for the WWE Network's Cruiserweight Classic Tournament Series. In March of this year, he missed a Tuesday night episode of SmackDown, an incident which was initially explained away as being a result of weather impacting his travel, and subsequent absences were attributed to him being ill, and reports began to surface that Maro's Public, uh, publicly disclosed mental health issues were the cause, with stories following that his symptoms may have been exacerbated by his treatment by broadcast partner JBL. <clears throat> All parties issued statements explaining that they agreed to part ways, and Ronaldo, desi- <coughs> and Ronaldo denied he was being bullied by JBL. Despite all that, there were still rumours he could return to WWE. While the company may not see MMA, and especially not a non-UFC promotion as a competitor. It seems unlikely Maro would sign with Bellator if he had plans to work for Vince McMahon again. Yeah. Well, Bell also signed former UFC play-by-play voice Mike Goldberg, someone that's been said WWE was interested in hiring in the past. Apparently, all the way back in uh, 2008, WWE offered him half a million the contract to leave UFC and come to WWE to be a lead announcer. That didn't happen, so WWE signed Mike Adamley. And I think we all remember how that went. Um, but he's, yeah, like I say, he signed. And... Um, the president, Scott Coker, had this saying a press release announcing the news. He said, Mike Goldberg and Mario Ronaldo are two of us, and I couldn't be happier about joining them, the Bellator, about them joining the Bellator family. 
In addition, we look forward to working together to make future Spike broadcasts even more exciting for our fans, and we add further depth to an already exceptional broadcast team. Now, I should say, Spike TV, who hosted Bellator, used to have Impact Wrestling on as well. That's one of the reasons they got rid of Impact Wrestling, because they wanted to focus on Bellator. It's always been the TNA to the UFC, you know, but with the addition of these two guys, and it being on Channel 5, uh, in all the events, yeah, it, it's it's easily accessible. And if they've got the two guys that I know, it's like the old day WSW. If you've got the the announce, if you've got Mean Gene and Bobby Heaney, you're gonna think, oh, hang on a second, I know these two guys. Let's watch a bit of the uh, product bit of as well. Exactly. The curious case of Rusev's SmackDown disappearance. The decision by management to put WWE Championship on Jinder Mahal at Backlash has derailed Rusev's return angle. Furthermore, there is no story ready for the Bulgarian brute. Well, this is somewhat of a shocking revelation, given how substantial a role it appeared Rusev was going to play in the future of Strand. He demanded a title shot from Shane McMahon. He was serious, intense, and unabashed in his arrogance. His performance in the cell phone recorded videos were was representative of the Rusev that fans had begged for since his initial run as the badass bruiser. To have that taken away because of Mahal's win suggests SmackDown Live's plan for the future may not be as well thought out as previously thought. More importantly, it goes to the heart of a major creative WWE. The company's unwillingness to promote a second heel who could potentially wrest heat and fan interest away from the Maharaja. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but at the same time, it pulls the rug out from underneath a talented performer whose threats will now fall on deaf ears since he failed to follow up, follow up on his warnings to the SmackDown commissioner. It is rare that WWE finds a wrestler capable of performing at such a high level between the ropes, hold his own on the mic and still be the valued foreign heel the way Rusev has been since arriving in 2014. Yeah, I mean, I'm a really huge fan of Rusev and it is a shame they're wasting him. And if it is the fact of Jinder Mahal, that's even funnier because these two were a team back in February, weren't they, on Raw? Yeah. <laughs> so... Oh, well, what can what can we do? So we move on to Arrivals now, and the WWE continues to grow its roster by signing multiple talents from around the world. They just signed a couple of Impact Wrestling alumni, Dan. The report suggests that Formula TNA knockout Thea Trinidad, formerly known as Rosita, will be reporting to the WWE Performance Centre after, after signing a WWE deal. Trinidad is currently in a relationship with WWE Cruiserweight Austin Aries, and is also playing the role of WWE Superstar Paige in the upcoming biopic of a family fighting with my family. So it's not really that much of a huge surprise, that signing. You know, anyway, it is also reported that former Impact star Gunner has also signed with the WWE, in addition to independent female wrestlers Evie and Nixon Newell. The WWE has also reportedly signed Cruiserweight Classic competitor Fabian Eichner, and German wrestler Axel Dieter Jr. Right, we move on to injury news, Dan. Um, it seems that Tommaso Ciampa can't catch a break, even with his anticipated beta- <coughs> even with his anticipated betrayal of Johnny Gagano. But Tommaso Ciampa suffered an injury during the ladder match at NXT Takeover Chicago after previously aggravating it at an NXT live event just days prior to the event. Well, WWE sources are saying that Chompa is headed to Birmingham, Alabama to get surgery on his ankle, including post-surgical rehab. No word yet on when he will be able to compete again, although he did make an appearance at the recent NXT tapings. That we're going to see in a little bit. It was just days before it was reported that Chompa had injured his ankle at live event and could potentially miss the event. However... He was able to overcome this and make it to perform. So the WWE tape matches in Greenville, South Carolina, oh, to air the main event that. episode. Yeah. 
uh, one of the matches was Drew Gulak versus Lince. Lince, Lince Dorado. But Dorado landed bad on his knee after a tilt whirl and it looked to be legitimately injured. We have no news on how serious the injury is yet. Uh, yes, Ruby Wright and Oscar fought in the ring last but the bout at Download Festival had to be cancelled thanks to one very real injury. A collision between the still... A collision between the still steps... What? A collision with the still, ste- still ring steps left Ruby Riot needed five stitches. One spectator tweeted, Oscar legitimately smashed open Ruby's head and there was blood everywhere. Another fan wrote, Ruby got busted open when she hit the still steps. The ref threw up the X sign. Riot explained on... Facebook after I went in thinking that Oscar was going to for lack of a better term play fair her actions today when she slammed my head into the corner of some steel steps show that she does have a bit of an Achilles heel I think her biggest fear is losing the NXT Women's Championship which rightfully it should be especially after the streak she's had so more injury news though and again at the download festival where NXT was Dan uh, yes, as we noted earlier, Mark Andrews is fine after suffering a neck injury at Sunday's NXT live event at Download Festival in Derby. It was a scary scene at first when he was taken to the hospital. A statement on the on WWE.com read, a CT scan of Andrews came back negative. With just bruising evident, Mark would like to thank all of his fans for their concern. Yeah, so that was a little bit scary because we weren't sure if he was going to recover. At one point, I thought, oh, it's good if he gets injured because then we could say we saw one of his last matches. <laughs> but then again, I don't think that's the way it works, really. Especially um, after he had a brilliant match yeah, against... Oh. Uh, Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne. Yeah, no, it was a fantastic match. You can see all those videos of the NXT tour that we saw in Brighton on YouTube and, of course, pictures up on Facebook and videos and stuff like this as well. WWE announced that WWE Hall of Famer Harley Race broke both his legs in the fall at his home on Tuesday. According to WWE.com, Race underwent surgery Tuesday, followed by four blood transfusions and additional surgery Friday. Uh, I mean, uh, the thing is, it's, it sounds funny when he broke both his legs, but listen to this. He broke both the fibula and tibula in his left leg and fractured his right femur, and Race also sustained a spiral break in his left ankle. The 74-year-old Missouri native debuted as a professional wrestler in 1960 and completed in the ring for more than three decades. Yeah, he is a seven-time NWA World Heavyweight Champion and his competitors in the history of the business. Race enjoyed a stint with the WWF, now WWE, from 1986 through 1989, during which time he became the second king of the ring in the company's history. Yeah, and he also likes pay-per-view as opposed to house shows now. But anyway, the uh, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2004, and he's also a member of the NWA Hall of Fame and the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame. So anyway, move on, and we had injury news. Well, this is kind of recovery news, because Emma's back. She's not made an appearance on Raw yet. But uh, she she is back from the elbow injury that's kept her out for some time. Next up, Dan. Was that Emma, who was Emmalina, and then yeah. went back to being Emma yeah. again? But she was on NXT. She's Australian. Loads of potential. I don't know what WWE doing with her. But um, Anyway, it was reported Tuesday that superstar Braun Strowman had been cleared to return to in-ring action after undergoing elbow surgery. According to PW Insider, Strowman was cleared one week ago, and he's he will return to television when creative plans are finalised. WWE announced Strowman's elbow surgery in May and reported that he, he was expected to miss up to six months. 
Strowman was written off WWE program after getting attacked by Roman Reigns on Raw. Previously defeated Reigns at Payback and attempted to put him out of commission by attacking him after the match. Strowman instead hit his elbow on an ambulance door and landed on the shelf. Well, at the time of Strowman's injury, it was widely expected that he was in line to face Brock Lesnar for the WWE Universal Championship at Great Balls of Fire. Still can't get over that useless fucking name for a pay-per-view event. But we'll, anyway. we'll, we'll get on to that in a second as well. Cause the, 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 anyway, that honour instead went to Samoa Joe. But after Strowman finishes his rivalry with Reigns, he may very well be in line for a title shot as early as SummerSlam in August. Oh, great. Another <laughs> big guy. <laughs> for news, we just talked about the Great Balls of Fire name. Well... The WWE name in its next Raw pay-per-view, Great Balls of Fire, was bound to get some chuckles. It's WWE, and it has the word balls in. <laughs> so, it's going to happen. But the promo video with the 50s vibe was cool, so maybe that would get people to forget the city name. But then, Dan... Someone noticed the logo, and it kind of looks like a penis. <laughs> right, so we've got the picture in front of us. I'll post it on Twitter. You can see there, if you look at the balls, and then the long line with Great Fire... It, I would say it does look like a penis. It does look like a penis with a couple of hairy testicles next to it. Yeah, look, listen, I feel immature saying this, but it's kind of hard <laughs> to miss. <laughs> uh, take a look at the screenshot. There we go. Uh, as seen on last week's Monday Night Raw, WWE has made another change to the Great Balls of Fire logo. Uh, last week, Sasha Banks made reference to what she thought the old, old logo looked like, so she mentioned it first. We don't know if her comments had anything to do with the change, but she wasn't the only one thinking that the old logo was a bad idea. So the change is good. This is the fourth version of the Great Balls of Fire logo already. Well, you know, it's... Uh... <laughs> uh, so last up on the injury turns. It's been nearly a year since former NXT, women, NXT Women's and WWE Divas champion Paige wrestled a match. And with all that's happened over that time, two wellness policy suspensions, neck surgery, uh, the company reportedly didn't think she was needed, as well as her nude selfies, which were definitely needed. A whirlwind romance with Alberto Del Rio slash El Patron. It was said at times neither her family or WWE wanted. The announcement of a Dwayne Johnson produced movie of a journey to big time pro wrestling, a vicious violation of her privacy and more instances of her now fiancé Alberto having her bosses than anyone can count. There have been plenty of scepticism of if she would ever return to work for the McMahons again. Yeah, and also we've been talking about now the past couple of months, and according to um, the anti-diva, total diva star herself, she's working towards a comeback. And since, by own admission, she's under contract for WWE, uh, to WWE for a while longer still, you have to think her return would take place under their banner because her tweeted read, uh, tweet Rex X-Ray. And following up on an initial tweet, uh, they contacted a source that WWE confirmed she will be cleared for action if the results of her X-ray looks good. There's no release yet, day yet, there. There's no release date yet for Stephen Merchant's Fight With My Family, the comedy drama based on film uh, on page live, but The Rock and the WWE films would probably like to have her around for promotion. Beyond that, it's worth wondering if the past years walk under the bridge for both the company and her, and how any lingering bad blood will affect how she's using Raw, presuming she stays on the roster she was drafted to in 2016. Yes, well, you don't really need any x-rays to see what her insides look like, <laughs> no. do we, James? No, we don't. Smith Hart has announced on Facebook that he has entered hospice care. For those not aware... He's the eldest child of Stu and Helen Hart. 
and has been battling terminal prostate cancer in recent months. Here is the announcement. He said, after being moved into hospice care, I would like to end any strife or suffering I have been involved with over my life. To anyone and everyone, cherish the moments you have in this world. Do not waste your time with hate or anger. To anyone I have offended, mistreated or been at odds with, please accept my humblest of apologies. Whilst I might not have always been everybody's cup of tea, I always did my best to be the person I was most inspired by, my father. I would also like to thank my dear friend Carl Ludic for making a visit from Montreal to come see me. It's meant the world and I really like the new phone. Balls to that. So, yes, Dan, that's a, a little horrible end. And we move on now, and it's NXT Update. When does NXT Update start? Now! So this is the first NXT since TakeOver. Dan, what were your thoughts on TakeOver? Um, it's been quite a while ago. It's it's not been the greatest TakeOver. But, you know, it certainly had some uh, very memorable moments. Yes. You know, most notably with the, uh, the ladder match at the end of it and uh, DIY imploding, so to speak. Yes, I mean, and don't forget the, the match of the year so far with Bait and Dunn. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, the UK. Um, and Pete Dunne, yeah. I don't think it's too bad. You know, like I say, Oscar beating Nikki Cross and um, Ruby Riot. Cause she, she destroyed Cross and Riot. She did destroy them. And of course, next week as well, we're told that we've got a glorious celebration. But let's start with this episode of NXT. Uh, and it is uh, episode 394, May 24th. And Dan, how did it start? Ali- Alistair Black defeating Kurt Hawkins. Yeah. Twitter, we saw uh, Mojo taking the, the pee at Kurt Hawkins for losing on NXT, but at least he's featuring on the programmes, unlike Mojo is on SmackDown at the moment. But anyway, Dan, you continue. Uh, we were magically still in Chicago, and it's almost as if they taped this week's show before TakeOver or something. Kurt Hawkins was here to make a start out of black for the second time, because two weeks ago on WWE Main Event, a show watched even less than NXT Redemption, Black defeated Hawkins. Yeah, Percy Watson seemed to forget the storyline where he was accused of sneak attacking everyone in NXT Redemption, including Watson, ironically enough. But it was abandoned before it came out that Hawkins and Tyler Rex did it. Now, if you remember, Lowe's tag team for a long while ago, then fair play to you as well. Uh, Anyway, this remembrance of a five-year-old angle almost lasted longer than the match. Black was over coming out and got more over with his skill and athleticism. Hawkins shockingly got in more offence than the average black opponent black broke out a beautiful asylum moonsault then picked up the win with black mass and of course alistair black is your one of your men now in NXT. he is my it? nxt guy he is your guy uh talking about that let's just watch entrance quick i want to see see how the reaction was so this is drew mcintyre in chicago i just want to see what the crowd was like when he did come out i wish they had the fucking broken dreams do you know what I mean? why how difficult is it to get that if Cody Rose was to come back, I would want smoking mirrors. You know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah. want like another generic one. 
Not getting a bad reaction here, is he? Well, James, since his time away from WWE, they might have sold the rights to his music. That's why they can't use it anymore. That is an excellent point, Nigel. I forgot that. But, yes, Drew McIntyre's coming out here for the main event. Uh, He's getting a great reaction. But before that starts, uh, we'll continue with the NXT show. Um, When we saw him on the Independence, wasn't he using Broken Dreams? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Because even in the poster that they had of... uh, Hang on, take a... Well, even in his Titan Tron. Yeah, they had... Even in the poster, they had a picture of Drew McIntyre with title as well, didn't they? So it was all the the usage. Anyway, we're... um, we got the first of many takeover recap video packages, starting with the Authors of Pain versus DIY. After a great five-minute recap, we were told that doctors refused to release the medical condition of Johnny Gagano. Great. Up next, Dan. Uh, up next, Ember Moon sat in an empty arena before takeover, talking about how awful it feels to be stuck sitting in the audience watching the show. Since she got one of her big breaks in Chicago... She said the selfish part of her wanted Oscar to retain the title so she could take it from her. Yeah, and Ember Moon, like we talked about, being trained of Chicago as well, of course. This led to a lengthy video package, number two. Two. This time on the Oscar versus Ruby Wright versus Nikki Cross Freeway. Oscar laughed afterwards at the idea that there's anyone left to challenge it. Who can blame her? Who? Dan? This show needs more video packages. <laughs> I don't think you mean that. Roderick Strong versus Eric Young was featured next. It was the weakest match on the show. It would still easily have been the best match on Backlash. Yes, I, you're completely right with that. Uh, Caleb Braxton asked Strong what it was like to be the first person to beat Eric Young, which is a lie, even if you only consider NXT, because he lost to Samoa Joe last year during his surprise debut, and he, and he lost to Ty Dillinger in a steel cage match yeah. <laughs> a couple of weeks previous as well. I was talking about pinned, maybe. Uh, Strong said you don't talk about his family and this is the next step for him to become NXT champion. Now, before we move on, Dan, I've, I've had a little plan and this might be spoilers for everybody else, but we know how right I am at the moment about Money in the Bank and everything like this. So I think the plan will be, Roger Strong will be next in line for an NXT title shot. Whether that will be SummerSlam versus Bobby Roode or before that, I don't think this man, Drew McIntyre, I don't think he should get a title match until NXT in November where he finally beats Bobby Roode. That, in my eyes, would make perfect sense, you know? But, and again, that's what I'm saying here now. We'll see how it goes along. So, up next, Dan? Up next, Velveteen Dream defeated Robert Anthony. Yes, we've been waiting the debut of Velveteen Dream and we finally got it. Yeah, Patrick Clark wasn't even called Patrick Clark. However, we did pretend like we hadn't seen him half a dozen times already. Honestly, Dream's commercial song was better than his actual theme music. Dream needs to stop punching or throw a thousand punches at his mirror every day, as his punches looked bad. <laughs> he won with a Rick Rude neckbreaker and an elbow drop from the top rope that actually actually looked pretty good. That was enough wrestling now, so it's now time for another video package, yes. but at least it was for the amazing, magnificent, fabulous, one-of-a-kind, tremendous UK title match between Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Sadly, this amazing match was recapped in 30 seconds. We did get a Dunne interview where he said he was watching Bate live a dream since January. He said before the match that he would win the title and now everything is his. Yeah, and Pete Dunne, he's, I mean, him and Tyler Bate... 
I mean, take a bow, son, you know. Uh, I was talking about watching that straight out of Dudleyville where, you know, the table matches and the TLC matches made those six. I truly believe that something special did happen at TakeOver release too. I think Dunn and Bate got huge futures ahead of them as well. You know, when you consider Bate's only, what, uh, 19, 20 years old as well. And Pete Dunn, just that look, uh, I think the future can only be bright. But up next, we have more video packages as well. And the also glorious NXT champion Bobby Roode and his title defence against Hideo Itami was featured next. Roode chastised Braxton for sounding surprised that he won. And he said that Itami may have earned his title match, but he's not in Roode's league. And what have I been saying all along? Well, Roode said his next challenger is whomever he decides to face. He's going home and taking some time off. And when he decides to come back, he will. Exactly. He can do what he wants, when he wants. And apparently, he, he well, next week, he is coming back because we see the commercial for the glorious celebration next week. But now we move on to the main event. And it is Drew McIntyre versus Wesley Blake, Dan. Wow, Wesley Blake. <laughs> yes, a former NXT tag team champion was last seen as beautiful blonde Blake. But he's dropped whatever that was supposed to be, and he now has a new country music theme song. Yes, so we'll see how Wesley Blake does. Of course, the Australian team, not Buddy Murphy, one of my guys in NXT as well. But this is against Drew McIntyre. And, uh, and, you know, I'm just happy to see Drew McIntyre. I was annoyed that he wasn't on the main show for TakeOver Chicago. But if they're slowly building him up, this is a perfect way to do it. Uh, and against the calibre of opponent, though, I don't know. I want to see McIntyre going against someone a little bit tougher. What about you? What, like Murphy? No, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I can say, Roderick Strong, well, I, Alistair I Black, is, Eric Young. Is McIntyre a face or a heel? He's a face. He's a face. Yes. So he'd have to go against, obviously, a heel. But he could he could still fight Roderick Strong or Cassius Ono or Tami. No one can tend to style matches, do you know what I mean? I mean, if there's, yeah. if there's enough there. The, the, the thing is, if you look, there are more faces on the roster than they are heels, aren't they, in that kind of challenger way i mean you've got cn on the hillside but apart from that yeah, yeah but Rude. do you want mcintyre to be one of these ones uh you know one week he's a hill next week he's a face and he just switches back back and forth between the two because i thought he was really good when he was a hill when yes. he was in his previous wwe the, the problem with that though is that he but it's basically the same character well, not the same character but very similar to what Bobby Roode is, isn't it? You know, yeah. would you want a heel champion after the fact? I think Drew McIntyre is a more dominant champion than Bobby Roode uh, is. But I mean, would you have that straight after? I think McIntyre would be good for someone who'd win the title as a strong face, beating a heel, and then a few, maybe a few months down the line, turning heel and then losing the title that way and going up to the main roster. You know, I wouldn't want to see McIntyre here <laughs> in a couple of years. Well, you just see Blake <laughs> mouthing off there to Drew McIntyre and he just gets a boot straight to the face yes and this is a it's a different McIntyre we're seeing now as well it is more aggressive it's the stuff we saw when we saw him live as well that yeah. he was doing he had a great match with Will Ospreay someone who's just gone on and on to do great things in, in wrestling in 2017 2016 and bringing that style to NXT I think it's a perfect but you can't discredit Wesley Blake you know one uh, of former tag team champion NXT like we say you know, he, he could have a few surprises, maybe. I don't know. Do you know. think he's he's a lot better now? He's because he's sped up a lot. Because I remember watching him coming down to the ring in a Royal Rumble and Triple H shouting at him, saying, "Come on, hurry up, yeah. hurry up, come on!" You know, so like you know, he's a bit more faster and he's 
a bit more, you know, got a bit of pace about him. Do you think that's going to help him out a lot? I think it will, yeah, most definitely. As Oh, McIntyre overhead suplexed uh, Blake to the outside, but Blake there. Catching uh, McIntyre's arm and hanging him up on the top rope. Oh, Follows it up with a clothesline where he turns McIntyre inside out. Oh, my God, this might be the most offence McIntyre is getting done. And Oh, we go for the pin. Only a one. One. <laughs> and at the moment, Wesley Blake... In control with McIntyre with the arm, but you've got to remember the power as well. As we see it on show, as McIntyre just easily pack, picks him up. Has McIntyre got taller? Has uh, everyone else shrunk? Because he all... does look a lot taller. He does. He looks like a proper superstar as he gets caught with the armbar. Oh, Blake there. Lovely manoeuvre off the top there. Rolls him up, tries going for the cross arm breaker, but his long, lanky legs, McIntyre gets to the bottom rope. I I think you're right about McIntyre as well. I think the difference is, I think people, maybe when he first debuted like 10 years ago, people like Sheamus or people like that, usually the same kind of height or build, you know, bit Wade Barrett as well. Whereas since then, because of NXT and other things, you know, the smaller guys have come in. I think McIntyre now does look more imposing. I think that's going to help him. I think he's going to tower over Samoa Joe, um, Seth Rollins, you know. He's going to be, I think, the same height and as Roman Reigns, maybe. You know? like Braun no, no, not Braun Strowman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as the big show, you know. No, We're but, here. But do you know what I mean? I think yeah. that's going to help McIntyre a lot. Yeah, he's lost a little bit of muscle mass, but I think it helps him out because of his, uh, the way he, he can wrestle, his agility in the ring as well, as he's struggling with Blake, but fighting back with the chops. Oh, running forearm, hops over the top, climbs up top. Ooh, bang, oh. takes him down with a, Big thumping right hand. Now call for it, McIntyre. Big muscly bastard. Finish Wesley Blake off. Yeah, big muscly sweaty suck. <laughs> you know, but isn't he gorgeous? He is my brave heart as Blake now with a forearms. McIntyre. McIntyre saying, is that all you've got? Here, pal. Here we go. Oh. Have that spine buster into the sit down pin. Like pop up spine buster. But Blake, credit to him, kicks out. Oh. And McIntyre's saying, fucking hell, son. Yeah, he's got more better than I thought. <laughs> oh, he's going against the former NXT tag champion. He is, and McIntyre's won nothing in NXT yet. Yes, he's a former tag team and Intercontinental champion in his own right. Exactly. Bo Dallas has won more in NXT than Drew McIntyre. He has Let's not forget that. Oh, Wesley Blake sends McIntyre into ring post. He's going to pin him as well. No. Oh, McIntyre managing to kick out. Ah. And now he's going for the crossface on McIntyre. Kid killer. Fair play. Uh, Blake's impressed me a little bit in this match. Certainly uh, putting a lot more offence in than one would have expected. Yeah, picking Blake up. Look at the agility. McIntyre's second to second rope. And now elbowing Blake. And now he's got him. Oh. And he's got him in reverse. Oh, oh reverse Alabama <laughs> slam. Face first into the mat. McIntyre goes for the cover. Oh. oh but Blake managing to kick out. Ah. Fair play. I mean, McIntyre... I think he likes it. I like the fight. Oh, now Blake manages to spin out and targets that left arm of McIntyre. Oh. Goes for the cover, but McIntyre manages to kick out. Ah, well, we see McIntyre going for the Broken Dreams DDT for the first time since coming back unsuccessful. And Blake using that arm against him as well. Now he's going to go up. Oh, oh a nip up from McIntyre. <laughs> Meets Blake at the top rope, catches him with a big right hand. Uh-oh. 
He's got to be at least 45 feet up in the air now. Well, bye-bye, Blake. McIntyre's oh! got you up. Oh! McIntyre there gets crushed on the top, hung up in a tree of woe. Shit, he's in a bit of trouble here as well. Come on now. For the Scots. There oh! we go. McIntyre's got him. McIntyre <laughs> sits up and just throws Blake off the top. There you go. That's the power. And now is this the knockout No, it's kick? not the power. It's the poor. Now, chewing up that band. This could be the end. Blake. Oh, no. Oh, comes running for a big boat, but Blake manages to dodge it. <laughs> it just gets a Glasgow kiss there. <laughs> he does. And that's what you get. And look at the cheers. Look at the crowd. Loving it now. Makatar chewing up for that huge kick. Boom. Runs in, takes Blake's head off. Turns Two, three. Bang. Turns him inside out. Gets a pin. My man, Drew McIntyre. You go all Scottish when he wins. Standing ovation. I can't help it. I'm just proud of him, Dan. What do you think of the match? Um, I don't know. It wasn't as impressive as we've seen Drew McIntyre. He was on a lot of the receiving end of the punishment throughout the majority of the match, but comes through to win it in style and, yeah, manages to overcome Blake. I think it makes it a better match because, like we say, yes, you, you want to see squash matches. But again, I think with NXT at the moment as well, especially after TakeOver, you've got Oscar-dominant champ, you've got champions. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a bit of back and forth. I think it made it a better match as well, even though I want to see McIntyre running through him. Again, you know, he does get the victory and it just moves on to bigger and better things. And as we move on to our next episode of NXT, episode 395 from the 31st, of May. Tommaso Ciampa hobbled down to the ring on crutches to kick the show off. A couple of fans chanted Psycho Killer, which was his uh, previous alias before he came into NXT, but the crowd mostly chanted, Why Tommaso, why? When he finally got the mic, Ciampa called out Johnny Gagano before mockingly pointing out that Gagano wasn't here tonight. Uh, Chomper said that he has learned more life lessons in the last two weeks than he did in his first 32 years of life. He said he was injured two days before takeover and all he heard was questions about who, if he would wrestle. It took the fans one day to forget about him and place him in DIY with all these dream tag team partners. Chomper let it pass by and decided to fight with his best friend. He said that during the ladder match he felt something pop and realised there was a problem with his knee. He laid there and decided to keep fighting for these people and for his best friend. Uh, he looked at his best friend and his brother and he realised that Gagano was just like all of those people. Just like all the fans were ready to replace him. So was Gagano. Right? Gagano was just like all these people. Just like all the fans were ready to replace him. So was Gagano. Chumper refused to let that happen. He refused to become an afterthought. Uh, and that's when he made the decision. It's not his fault. It was the fans' fault. So it's Johnny Gagano's fault. They had something special and the fans ruined that. If Chumper was going to go away for a long, long time, so was Gagano. And TakeOver Chicago was supposed to be DIY's moment. But it wasn't. Instead, TakeOver Chicago was Tommaso Chumper's moment. He said that he is a 32-year-old man. And this is not replaceable. And neither is Chumper. Do you know what is replaceable? The fans. They were never necessary. They were replaceable. He, rep he, he promised that when he returns, he will be the most dangerous son of a bitch in NXT history. 
and said he is professional wrestling whether you like it or not. His nickname before he came to the WWE was Psycho Killer. So I actually believe him in that. And also, isn't it nice to see a heel coming down and actually explain his actions why he did something? How many times in wrestling have we seen something happen? So basically, no he's it? saying he injured Gagano, and it's not Gagano's fault <laughs> because he hurt his knee. So if he was going to be out for a little while, Gagano was going to be out for a lot longer. Yeah, but also, don't forget, Chumper got injured just before takeover, and the talk was Gagano was going to replace him in a team to go against the Authors of Pain. I think this is what it all boils down oh, to right. as well. Yeah, and then the announcer said Chumpa needed major knee surgery. Major knee surgery. And Johnny Gagano has something. We still do not have a medical report for him. But it is a bit of a shame with this angle because I suppose it would be Gagano to take a month off or so and then come back and fight Chumpa. But because of this now, Chumpa's going to be out for a period of time. What happens to Gagano in the meantime? Do they keep him off TV? Do they bring him back, put him in another feud? It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh and all stand up next. Up next, Bobby Roode filmed a promo earlier today and said no one is invited to his glorious celebration, so he's going to come back next week. Great. One thing was promoted for this show, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so up next, though, we do have uh, the WWE UK champion Pete Dunne, and he's going against. Danny Birch and Pete Dunne coming out here with that new UK title, like we say, coming off that classic in NXT. The question is, I want to ask you now, has the UK title become like the US for Intercontinental Championship on Raw and SmackDown? Do you think that's, I, I think that's a possibility. I think it'd be well, great it's idea. become the IC or US title on NXT. It's become the NXT secondary title now, yeah. Well, that depends if uh, a non-American can win it, uh, a non-Englishman can win it. Or, you know, someone f- not from United Kingdom. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I'd be interested if someone was to challenge him. Of course, uh, Danny Birch is a veteran in this sport as well. Been around NXT for a couple of years now. Of course, he's British, so he could viably go for this championship here. Done. He got a superstar reaction coming out. Uh, and as that match with Bait made him a star. Done worked. Birch's fingers. So Birch kicked him right in the hand when he got the chance. Birch looked as good as you can expect for someone with no credibility in NXT. Oh, you've got young blood and an old veteran there in the ring at the same time. It's uh, it's a good contrast between these two styles. You know, even though they're both British wrestlers and they both got that British style about them, it's, you know, you've got the new school version going against the old school yeah, version. It's uh, good to see how they, you know, they, they differ, if slightly. He's done, like I say, he's a tough son of a bitch as well and what you've seen of him as well. Uh, as well. Yeah, with Pete Dunne, we know how tough he is. And he's nasty in the ring, isn't he? This is one of his styles he is, yeah. that he's got. It's great to see. And well, hopefully Danny Birch can offer us something here on NXT. Maybe get an opportunity down the line as well. well I think with Pete Dunne, he just, he's on a roll at the moment, isn't he? You know? And like I say, he's getting the superstar reaction. Fans know who he is. Fans are starting to like him. Oh, oh so he's just going to have a slap-off now. And a couple of shoulder bars is tra- traded between the two men. But... Uh... Danny Birch gets the upper hand. Pete Dunne. Oh, I thought you could try that leapfrog there. Got caught. Oh, my yeah, God. Birch takes his leg down and goes to get him in a side headlock. But Dunne managing to get to the bottom rope and breaking up the count. Yeah, but Birch was distracted by the referee. Got caught with that huge forearm by Pete Dunne. Now he's going to go for the cover off that. Two. Oh. Birch got the spring in his legs to manage to get his shoulder up at two. Two. The thing with Pete Dunne as well. He's just great, isn't he? Hang on. We've got an advert. We're going to move on. 
We're back after the break, and Pete Dunn has taken over on Danny Birch now. Just working the back of the head, the arms as well. He doesn't care how he hurts you. He's just going to do it, you know. And this is what's great. Well, he's going to find you, and he's going to hurt you. He's, he's got a certain set of skills, Dan, you know. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. He sends Birch flying back into the corner there. Big forearm, but Birch now get the feet up off the top. Oh, a lovely seated missile drop kick there, taking Dunn down. Well, he's gone Dunn down, hasn't he? And now he's gone Dunn down, 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 down. And now what's Birch going to do? Can he nip up? Oh, manages to nip up before Pete Dunn gets up. <clears throat> oh, this is a... A little bit different from Birch. The comebacks now on a forearm. Oh. Oh, but Pete Dunn follows him up as he goes to bounce off the ring ropes and just hits him with a big uppercut. But Birch managing to dodge Pete Dunn's incoming assault and gets him with a nice uh, fisherman suplex. And hits him with a big right hand. <laughs> One, two. No. Oh. oh, it's like the big show's knockout punch. Well, only a two there. He's the little show. Two. <laughs> Banner there. Looks like Birch's going to hit him suplex, but done. Managing to catch him with a great back suplex. Backs him up in the corner now. And Fucking he's... hell. Follows up with a running <laughs> kick. He is going to finish Danny Birch right here, but fair play, Danny Birch. He's been a good competitor in this match. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. Birch managing to reverse the momentum. I was trying to get him that submission, just like the old uh, stretches in the game. And there's Dunn bringing something new to it. Step up in Seguri. <laughs> oh, and then gets turned inside out with a clothesline from Birch. I mean, Birch is not down and out just yet. No. And for someone, like we say, who's not done a lot in NXT, he's having a great match. And is this down to Pete Dunn as well? Do you know what I mean? Having a great match with someone. Well, you know, Pete Dunn can work it in the ring. He's on a hot streak, isn't he? You know, he's got that arrow up as you play them in this game. As now he's on the apron. Here comes Birch. Birch hulks up, tries going towards Dan, but gets caught with a f- big forearm. Oh! And as Dan tries to leap over the top, <laughs> he gets caught with a... No, no, no. He went for the no. springboard, got caught with a forearm, and now Birch there hangs him up. Top rope DDT. I mean, that's even more vicious than Randy Orton's second rope DDT, isn't it? He's not tight or ripped, so he can't do Orton's moves. Well, he might not be tight or ripped, but he's one of our Brits. So, and he goes for the pin and he gets a two. Two. And now, as Dunn struggles to get to his feet, looks like Birch's going to finish him off. Oh, no. no. Oh! Back suplex into the turnbuckle for Birch. That's what you get for using one of Orton's moves. And now, is it time for Dunn for the bitter end? Boom. Oh. Pump handle turns him inside out. Bitter end. Two, Two three. three. And there is your UK champion, Pete Dunn. Dan, what did you think of the match? Um, I thought it was quite a good match. You know, Danny Birch looks good. I'd like to see a bit more of him. You know, in the uh, going for the UK Championship, well, not you know, not going for the UK Championship necessarily, but have more marquee matches yeah. defending the championship, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I'm a huge fan of Pete Dunn. Uh, like you say, Pete Dunn is just amazing. He gets near falls with a punch to the face, and you actually believe they may be the finish of it. You know, he cut a promo after the match saying he had to watch a boy hold a championship since January, and it was his pleasure to take the title at Takeover. He stated that the history of the WWE UK division officially starts with the Bruiserweight owning all of it. Yeah, indeed. And uh, we move on and up backstage, Kayla Braxton interviewed Velveteen Dream. The Dream didn't like the ambiance, so he cut a promo about Haywood's refusing to cut a promo. We had a video package narrated by Paul Ellering about the last 365 days of The Authors of Pain. 
and now the book of dominance has been opened. Oh, good. Can you go somewhere and read that and maybe like put your signature in there? Oh, I just signed the uh, book of dominance. Yeah. Up next, we had Dan's 311 boy, blah, 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 CN, going against Cesar Bonini, who sounds like... Bononi. You say Bononi, I say Bonini. Let's call the whole thing off. Despite the constant negative press... Covifi. Is that a fucking Donald Trump word or something? Yeah, I put a Donald Trump reference in. Is that how you use it in a sentence? Oh, uh, I thought then. Donald Trump made that a word now, yeah. Despite the constant negative press, Kafifi. Because <laughs> that's what he's... <laughs> Kafaffle. <laughs> I think he was meant to spell coverage and then did doing it right, do you know what I mean? But anyway... Damn what I correct. Yeah. CM uh, <laughs> was here to wrestle Caesar Benoni. Percy Watson really has a problem with... Almas going out clubbing after match. Again, NXT is at 8pm and even if Almas drinks until 4am, he has 16 hours to recover. How much is he drinking? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a case of that. I just think if you're going out and like, if you're an alcoholic, then that is too much drinking. You know. So- Sorry, but don't get me wrong. Didn't Austin used to down at least eight cans after majority of his matches anyway? He did, but Steve Austin was a multi-time WF champion, whereas CN has won as much as uh, has won less than Bo Dallas on the next <laughs> team. Uh, I almost beat the hell out of uh, out of Cesar, uh, chopping his chest raw and kicking his leg out of his leg. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, Benini made by comparison a very weak comeback, which made the result even more ridiculous. As Almas used a stiff slap to the face, but Bononi used a small package of a suplex for the upset win. Almas got really mad for a minute, but then just said whatever and <laughs> calmly walked away. I'm sure he recognised that he beat an inferior athlete for five minutes and then lost when he slipped, slipped on a banana. You know, he's quite le- it's quite funny because you're 3'11", boys. His reaction is kind of when you lose like pay-per-views, isn't it? You get really annoyed for a minute and you're like, whatever, no one cares. Uh, so, it's irrelevant. Well, up next, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce have finally returned to NXT. Kay appears to have finally recovered from the time Ember Moon gave her the eclipse. Anyway, they were very happy and made fun of Moon for being injured. Moon then just so happened to sign her medical release, which scared the iconic duo. In two weeks, the res- the reigning, <clears throat> in two weeks, the reigning, defending, undisputed NXT Women's Champ, Women's, undisputed NXT Women's Champion Oscar will once again defend her championship against Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross, but this time. It will be an elimination match. So she could technically still pin them both at the same time and end the match. But anyway, we'll see what they do with it. Uh, Hideo Tommy was mad after takeover. So he threw some chairs around in the locker room. Cassius Sado and Fanaki tried to calm him down. Greatest tag team of all time, by the way. But Tommy swore at them and threw water around. Fast forward two weeks and a WWE cameraman filmed the two of them shaking hands outside. I was convinced Ono was about to get run over by a car in a whodunit angle, but we just cut away to the main event. Yeah, and our main event is Cassis Ono and Roderick Strong versus Eric Young and Alexander Wolfe. The referee called for the bell, and in a way, it looked like he was sending Killian Dane to the back. You know, because he did the, rally here, but then just rang the bell. But sadly, Dane was still here. Yeah, and um, 
the baby faces at the moment are running wild. We see Roger Strong hitting Eric Young with a backbreaker, of course, pinning him a takeover. Eric Young uh, getting Alexander Wolf in there, but he's in a bit of trouble now. Oh, working really well together in a couple of tag team moves, just running through Wolf in the corner. Now, who would have thought that Strong would have beaten uh, Eric Young? Exactly, who, who would have thought it? You know, and this is what I'm saying with the face side on NXT now, you've got Roger Strong, Cassie Sono, Drew McIntyre, Alistair Black. Opportunity at Bobby Roos title, you know, you, you had uh, tell me there as well. Of course, Eric Young might be a challenger down the road if he starts winning. As Wolf grabs hold of Ono and Eric Young's tagged himself back in now. But again, with Sanity, we're still not sure what they're all about, are they? They've started a feud to get. We've started a feud with Roger Strong now. As Eric Young's in there. Killian Dane's just got involved in the match. Oh. Tripped Cassius Ono. Well, that's the numbers Sanity's corner there with Killian Dane, the big man. And Alexander Wolf just running uh, Cassizono into the apron. Where was the referee, you asked me, Dan? Where was the referee, James? Well, after watching everything happen leading up to this trip, he decided to go talk to Roderick Strong for a few seconds. Ah. Uh, Watson said, oh, no, he's the kind of guy who will not stand by and let injustice happen. He will fight for what's right. And I know... Does a very good job at being a babyface in peril. Exactly, looking for that hot tag. Roger Strong desperate to get in, but Eric Young's going to stop him. Well, at the moment, he's in serious trouble. He gets thrown to the outside again. Roger Strong's coming in. Referee distracted. Again. And Killian Dane, just one big right hand, knocking Ono down. And he's in serious trouble as we go to an ad break. And I'm sure if we come back from the ad break, the babyface will be in a submission. Side headlock. Don't get is why the other two hills was just watching on as Killian Dane was hitting him. It's like, well, if they if they've got enough time to stand there, then they got enough time to hit. Oh no, as he's <laughs> in a submission. Yeah, Eric Young's got him. I know exactly. Oh no, they're trying to fight out. And he's on part of town at the moment, and Eric Young, oh, big back of the pin now. No. <laughs> Kick out. Oh. Eric Young drags Cassius Ono to the corner. Here comes Alexander Wolf now. And you were really impressed with Alexander Wolf a couple of months ago. Have you called your jet since then? Uh, I have slightly. Yeah, you know, he's. Uh, I don't know. I think the limelight's kind of shining onto Eric Young more than it is the other members, you know, like Killian Dane and uh, Alexander Wolf. I know. Um. Nikki Cross has kind of got her own feud now. You know, yeah. she's found her feet. Maybe if there was a face tag team that, you know, Wolf and Dane could challenge for that. But this is a problem, isn't it? You've got heavy machinery, but apart from Wolf as a pain, you like to say, you wouldn't really see Hills versus Hills here. So it's a bit difficult. Uh, would you agree Nikki Cross has become the star of Sanity, hasn't she? You know, she she's has, yeah. A... Well, she's the only one that's actually tight, fighting for a title. <laughs> yeah, she's the lead. For me, she's a leader as well, you know. She's... Yeah. Uh, I think she even... Eric Certainly Young, the most craziest one. Yeah. That's Alexander Wolfe now just wearing Ono down. Ono's been worked down for five minutes and Eric Young getting more annoyed but he's uh, barking out orders and shouting at the uh, NXT universe as Wolf just dragging Ono back to his corner but now can Cassius... Oh, fighting out, taking down Young, trying to fight off Wolf. Strikes always great. Oh, oh but now runs into... Big boot from Wolf. Goes for the cover. Oh. I know, managing to kick out. Uh, I take it Wolf's going to be the full guy then. Yeah, well, he nearly mucked it up there, didn't they? Wolf holds him, but started picking up as Eric Young came off the top turnbuckle. And now he's going to go for the net breaker. Oh, fucking hell. 
That looked quite sore. It did. Can he get him down? No. Ah, I didn't... Uh, it's a toughness shown, and Eric Young just shouted at Roderick. Rod, Rod, mate. Just stay in... Rod, Rodders. Just stay in the apron. Don't worry about him. You're distracting the referee, right? He's done it twice before now, and Killian Dane's managed to help the opponents get the upper hand, but a step up back hill kind of inseguri there from uh, Cassie Sano, getting some separation from him and Eric Young, but Eric Young stumbles over to Wolf. Wolf comes running in, misses the elbow. Wolf. Roderick Strong gets the tag in. Come on, baby. And now he's coming like a house on fire, taking Alexander Wolf down with three clotheslines. Finally gets the ropes. Four clotheslines. Fucking huge lariat there. Now he's got him up. He's the master of the backbreaker as he goes for the angle slam. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> to the corner now. Oh. Goes for a splash, but gets deposited to the outside. <laughs> Doesn't stop him, though, does it? Two kicks to Young and Wolf. Oh. Oh, and then drops Young on his back on the outside. Oh, on the ring apron. And now he's come running in and a huge knee to Wolf's face. Oh. Fucking hell. Front first slam. Two. Oh, Wolf gets his foot on the bottom right there, breaking up the count. Count and Strong can't Did believe you just call it. Me? <laughs> strong can't believe it. And now Dane's grabbing hold of Eric Young, telling him to get back in the match. Roger Strong having his way <laughs> with Alexander Wolf. Oh, a couple of back elbows, though, sends Wolf stumbling towards the corner, but Eric Young gets the blind tag. It, oh, lovely net breaker there on Roger Strong as he didn't see it. Going for the cover. Oh, but Strong managing to kick out. Ah. Well, you say Strong's the master of the backbreaker. You think Eric Young's the master of the neckbreaker. Yeah, he hit a few variations of that as he holds Roderick Strong up. Alexander Wolf's coming in. Oh, but Cassius Ono stops Wolf in his tracks. Oh, but Eric Young boots Ono out of the ring. Now he goes back. He's got hold of Roderick Strong as Kenny Dane's making his way to the apron. Oh, no way, Jose there. (laughs) Drags Dane off the apron. We haven't seen no way. Throws him into the ring post. We haven't seen him for so long. And like I say, attacking Dane. Wolf coming in to try and help out his leader. But Ono comes in with a discus elbow. Takes out Wolf. And now Strong picks out Eric Young. Oh, oh. my God. Super double knees. Going for the pin. Hey. And that's it. Young's been pinned twice by Strong in as many weeks. <clears throat> and Kenny Dane comes in. But Roger Strong gets the head out of there. And yes, it is... The end of the main event. No way Jose's back, but not a bad match, was it? That was probably the most exciting match of the card. <coughs> you know, Pete Dunne, that was quite a good match. But I think this one, you know, had a bit more entertainment value about it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It, t- it was a basic, not basic tag team match. It told the basic story, didn't it? Yeah. I know being worked on, getting Roger Strong tagged in. Hills with their outside help interfering. Then a face comes in and helps out the faces. Yeah. But Roger Strong, I feel now, is really building up some momentum. We've seen the backstage segments of him, you know, get to know him more. And in the past couple of weeks, beating Eric Young the way he did. And in this match as well, he's really taken it up a level, hasn't he? So, a potential challenger for uh, the NXT I, Championship? I think he most definitely could be next in line. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it depends what they do with Alistair Black and that. But I think Roger Strong is ready for the opportunity. Whether he wins it or not is, of course, another question. But anything else about this week's NXT, Dan? No, it was. Uh, I think it had been fairly enjoyable, especially as we didn't have to go through the glorious celebration as well. Yes, but up next, it is the glorious celebration, so we do move on to our next episode of NXT. So, yes, NXT update. We continue our next episode the 7th of June. Excuse me, episode 396. Start off tag team match, Heavy Machinery, Tucker Knight and Otis Dosevich versus Lars Sullivan and Victor Andrews. 
And uh, we saw just before this match, Victory picked the right tag team partner. Of course, Lars Sullivan before has beaten the shit out of his tag team partner when he lost to Heavy Machinery. Uh, but we talk about opponents for Authors of Pain. Can you see it in Heavy Machinery, Dan? Um, you know, they're starting to grow on me a bit. I think, you know, size-wise, they'd be able to uh, stand up to uh, Authors of Pain. But, you know, having seen Authors of Pain in person, no. I don't think many people would be able to stand up to them. No, you're ever so loud at the moment as well. And I'm a little bit loud, which is good. So we keep it at that level and it'll be fine. Um, yeah, like I say, we've, we've seen NXT Live. I know this episode's June 7th, but we saw NXT Live June 8th. Uh, so we're watching this a couple of days later. And uh, do you feel different about NXT now that like you've seen it live, Dan? Uh, yeah, I appreciate it a lot more. <laughs> I mean, we talk about the action. So, yes, uh, Sullivan and Knight kick the match off. And Sullivan forced Knight into the corner. Free up. Knight grabs the side headlock and Sullivan tries to shoulder block Knight, but Knight doesn't budge. Sullivan tries again, but Knight still doesn't go down. Sullivan tells Knight to give it a try. Knight nods okay and hits the rope. Sullivan hits the ropes at the same time and destroys Knight with a lariat. Sullivan body slams Knight and Andrew tags himself in, Dan. Yes, uh, Knight bear hugs Andrews. Dozovic tags in and Knight tosses Andrews at Dozovic. Dozovic bear hugs Andrews, tries, tries to fire up, but Dozovic sends him clear across the ring with a belly-to-belly suplex. Knight and Dozovic sandwich Andrews in the middle of the ring. Dozovic and Knight hit their finisher <laughs> on Andrews for the win. Well, like, and that is what you call a squash match. <laughs> that is indeed, they completely squashed Andrews. It is, but yeah, heavy machine impressive. Dan, what do you think of the match? Uh, well, you know, they're certainly very dominant and uh, I think they're definitely trying to team them up to be a, a threat to Authors of Pain's title run. Yeah, we see the replay of the uh, the carnage as it was and uh, Victor Andrews was the sacrificial lamb in this match. So we're just going to see how Lars Sullivan reacts to yet another loss, but be too hard on Victor Andrews, Dan, will he? <clears throat> well, um... He's certainly not getting in the ring while uh, Heavy Machinery are in there celebrating their victory. Yeah, gesturing for the uh, NXT tag team titles as well. Well, will Sullivan go and help his uh, partner, Victor Andrews, up? I, I would. Do you know what I mean? Um, Andrews tried hard, but sometimes you do fail. Just you know, pick him up, give him a little hug, saying, you can do it, Andrews. I have faith in you. Can I just say that you uh, you refer to Sullivan as the bigger one? Could have said he's the white one. <laughs> yeah, I could have said he's the white one, but I don't see colour here. And I'll tell you something, though. Lars Sullivan's definitely got a Jared face. Do you know what I mean? He's got a big old Billy Kidman bean. Big, massive, some delete chance here. He'll be all right. And why couldn't Lars Sullivan show this intensity during a match against his opponents? Well, Andrew's tagged himself in. I mean, he wanted to be a part of the match. And, and this is what happens, I guess. And now the big man picking him up. There you go, make sure he's right. Uh-oh, you're holding him in the wrong way. And what the hell is that? <laughs> oh, my God, he plants him. Well, I don't think Lars Sullivan is that good a uh, loser as he picks him up again. Oh, my God. Shaking the life out of uh, poor Victor Andrews. It's not a torture rack, is it? It's more of a... Over-the-shoulder boulder holder. It is, and a big bu- Lars Sullivan sending a message to any of his future tag team partners. I would say do not team with him in well, future. Well, if you do, make sure you win. 
Yeah, exactly. Don't piss them off. So up next, we have an in-ring segment, and it was Vodrick Strong, Dan. Uh, yeah, Strong thanks the crowd for chanting for him. He says he's thankful for the year he's having. He's uh, thankful for his wife, his baby boy. Strong says he's told the NXT Universe's story, a story he was ashamed of and they accepted him anyway. When Strong came to NXT, he told everyone the only reason he's here is for the NXT Championship. That is one he wants and needs. It is no longer Roddy against the world. It is Roddy, his wife and his son against the world. Before Strong can finish, Bobby Roode interrupts. Okay, I'll take it from here. Because <laughs> I've had my one this month already and that wasn't on NXT Update. I know, a bit unfair for me. But still, I know, don't discredit that. Uh, so, yeah, we say NXT Bobby Roode comes out. Mr. NXT. And Roode is fake crying and wiping his eyes with a piece of tissue. Roode says that it was such an emotional story that he needs a minute before he can speak. Rude says Strong should be proud. He has won a bunch of matches. Rude adds that Strong has a marginally attractive fiancé and a sort of normal son. (laughs) Strong is livid. Rude said he knows Strong wants to be on the marquee with the champ. Diapers don't pay for themselves. Strong wants to win the Rude Lottery. Problem is, there isn't a way it works. That isn't the way it works in Rude's NXT. You have to earn a shot on the champ. Rude tells Strong that he's a good hand and he should stay in his lane. If he's good, Rude may even take a selfie of him so he can show his little guy at home. See, Dan? Yes. Rude would actually do that for Strong. Rude tells Strong not to try and play the Rude lottery because he is not the, he's not man enough to win. I don't know Bobby Rude's wife ain't much of a looker. She ain't really all that, is she? Casey Brooks, is it? Is it? Yeah, former wrestler. I don't know anything about Bobby Roode. <laughs> Backstage, Nikki Cross beats the crap out of her jacket while screaming for Oscar and Ruby. Cross wants to play again. Yes, well, in the next match is Peyton Royce with Billy Kay versus Sarah Logan. Royce drops Logan onto the mat face first. Logan gets up and stares down Royce. Royce, for, for, <coughs> Royce forces Logan into the corner. Logan takes Royce down with an arm drag into an armbar. Royce counters with a spin kick for a two count. Then Royce hits two suplexes into a modified DVD for a near fall. Logan floors Royce with a headbutt. Then Logan lands multiple chops to Royce. Shining wizard by Logan for a near fall. Royce catches Logan with a knee trembler that sends Logan careening careening to the mat. Royce picks up Logan and Fisherman suplexes her for the win. Yeah, so the winner was Peyton Royce. Uh, What did you ask for? Sorry. The winner was Peyton Royce. Yeah, not a bad women's match. I think it's as good as Billy Kay and Peyton Royce can do. But I'm starting to like them. Uh, up next. Uh, up we- up wexed. Up wexed last week. Last week, as Andrade Cien Almas was leaving the arena with a few ladies, he is confronted by three. He is confronted by Thea Trinidad. Trinidad asks Cien if this is what he is now. Cien says yes. Trinidad slaps the taste out of Almas's face and walks away. Yes, yeah, so recently arrived Thea Trinidad is in NXT. And next match it is only Lorkin. Only who? Only Lorkin. Going against Hideo Itami. And this should be a great match. We've seen only Lorkin in the past. And he's impressed me, even though he doesn't really look like one that might impress me. And Hideo Itami coming off his takeover defeat at the hands of the glorious Bobby Roode. He's desperately, he desperately needs a victory tonight, doesn't he, Dan? He does indeed, yes. So, can Atami do it, or will he fall 
an upset. It would be an upset if only Lorcan won. Uh, I'm sure he's going to put only Lorcan to sleep. Oh, oh big slap round the face from uh, Hideo to only Lorcan. And a clothesline there taking the bald man to the mat. Well, the question is, has this changed Hideo Itami? See the way he treated Cassius Ono and a couple of guys backstage last week. He wasn't happy at all after losing to Bobby Roode. I think he's only got himself to blame. But Savatu going to help him out here, you know? We see not break with only slapping him around the face. We know how dangerous Tommy can be. It's if he stays injury-free as well in this new aggressive attitude, he still may have... A future on NXT if he wants to. I mean, like we talked about the rumours with Atami, he might be heading back to Japan, but I think it would be a great miss. It would be great, a great miss. I think they could do more with Atami, Dan. Most definitely, yeah. Again, you know, this is where I'm thinking NXT should have a middle-of-the-road title, like an Intercontinental slash US title for NXT, you know, something... Because, no disrespect to Bobby Roode, but he's not defending it week in, week out on house shows. He's saving it for pay-per-views, and they are quite few and far between. So, you know, if there was a a secondary NXT title that was getting defended on house shows, maybe that would uh, help the mid-carders of yeah, the... Yeah, but uh, I, I agree with the... you there. Sorry to interrupt. I agree with you there with the mid-card thing. But does it take it away? Because if you want to be an NXT, you don't want to be like middle mid-card champ. You want to be the NXT champion. I think if, if they're there fighting for it, do you know what I mean? And the opportunities there to go for it, I think you should be in there to be champions. Like everybody that goes to Raw SmackDown wants to become the world champion, don't they? Unless some... it's Miz and he wants to be the RC yeah, champion. Yeah, RC champion for the seventh time, yeah. But then, um, you know, wrestlers like Only Lorkin, wrestlers like Ty Dillinger, who didn't get the shot at the heavyweight championship because, you know, a familiarity with NXT is uh, throughout the whole year, it's two or maybe three wrestlers going for the NXT yeah. title which leaves an awful lot of the roster having to have personal feuds, you know, not going into the heavyweight championship match. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But as we've seen in this one, though, these two guys really enjoying it, only hitting the uh, the, the blockbuster on Atami. Atami with his brand of offence, getting slapped and chopped now by Oni. Well, and Hideo's just saying, bring it on, and... Uh... Oh, oh my god! He's just only Lorcan's grabbing Hitami by the face and just slapping him, slapping a taste out of his mouth. Oh, hits from the uppercut. I mean, Hitami did try GPS, uh, GTS, maybe uh, <laughs> going back to haunt him now. And Oni's offense, fucking hell! That is a very brutal offense. Oni's delivering. Now he's going up top to try and uh, put out Hideo Hitami. Oh, Hitami in a lot of trouble. Might have underestimated only Lorcan, and we haven't. As he goes to the top now. Oh, flying. Oh, <laughs> suicide dive takes out Hideo. <coughs> Brilliant move by Lorkin. Can he throw Itami back in? He had a better offence against Hideo Itami than Bobby Roode did. <coughs> oh, Itami, though, is he feeling his left leg? Referee's checking, might be injured. Oh, oh that was just a distraction tactic. And Itami responds with a kick and a few knee strikes there <laughs> and now it's the revenge for the slaps <laughs> and now he's slapping only Lorcan back <laughs> that's what he said to said to hit me as hard as you can because I'm going to hit you back <laughs> indeed and Atami sends him crashing to the canvas with a kick and they pick him up now GTS so it's up for the GTS oh lands on the money and Lorcan just crumples to the ground brilliant sell by him and Atami could get the pin now no, and I'll tell you what, that referee looks like he can dance. <laughs> and the timing now trying to pick up Bailey Lorkin. 
Only Larkin's gone dead weight, setting him up for another GTS. He's already gone to sleep. You're going to wake him up again. Oh, Pow, my Puts him into an even deeper sleep. Or if he's there to count. Oh, no. Again, is he going for a third GTS? I told you. I told you. He wants to hurt everybody now. Oh, he, no. That's not good. He blames everybody. He blames Cassius. He blames only Larkin. He blames everybody. Oh, my. Oh, and for the God. third time. Only Lorcan has taken a lot of punishment. I mean, is the referee going to call it? He's he's been hit with a G G T T T S S S. He has. He's been sleeping, woken up, and put back to sleep again. Oh wait, Cassius Ono. What are you getting in the ring for? What are you doing? What are you doing, Hideo? Well, yeah, that's what he's saying. He's like, what? Come on. What's the matter with you, man? Think about this. Oh. Hideo pushes Cassius. And Cassius got tears in his eyes. He doesn't want to do anything. Oh. He shoves Hideo to the ground. Oh, come on. Ref, there's a match still going on here as well. So the winner was Hideo Tommy. But Ono put his hands on the Tommy, so the rule state. Lorcan should have been DQ'd then. Yeah. But there was no official decision, so we'll just go with it. All right. And Ono checking with only Lorcan to make sure he's okay. And he's been put into a deep sleep. Well, he won't be getting up for a while. So now it's main event time. And it is No Way Jose versus Killian Dane. Dan, is this a match that excites you? Uh, it could be an interesting match. Uh, it depends who Killian Dane has in his corner, really. Yeah, well, here they come now. And it looks like it's a hole of sanity. That is a great day coming up to his own music. And no... Oh, there is that is there. Is that Eric Young or Wolf? <laughs> There's no Nicky Cross there. <laughs> I think she's behind Dane. Well, Eric Young to the left, Alexander Wolf to the right of him, and there he is. My God, big man. Shave your back. Shave your back. And I tell you something, he's even bigger in person. And no way Jose is a big... That's what Dad said. Do you know, I showed my dad all the pictures. He said, no way, he's a, he's a big man, isn't he, Norway? Oh, I, I said, actually, yes, Dad. I said, we've talked about that in the past. But no way Jose is back here. We saw him return last week on NXT after being injured by Sanity. So that con- story's still continuing. He's back here now trying to fight Killian Dane in the main event. Well, he's going up against the monster of Sanity. Yeah, I mean, Dane, we talk about potential. Everything in NXT, he's got potential, Dan, hasn't he? He has indeed, yes. Yeah, I mean, he can go as far as he wants to. The big man, Big Damo, is now here. No Way Jose's got his fans, you included, Dan. I'm a fan of No Way Jose, <laughs> yeah. So what does No Way Jose have to do if he wants to put the big Dane down? He has to uh, dance his way to victory, James. <laughs> He's got to show a little bit of rhythm, has he, you know? He has indeed, yes. And, uh, so what does Killian Dane need to do to put the dancing man down? Power. Power and strength. Just plough through No Way Jose. No way Jose, like I say, deceptively big and dangerous because No way Jose's got the heart as well. And Dane, in single competition, we've not seen a lot. But uh, I think, trust me, when I say he's a lot more agile than he looks as well. You know, a lot of moves that he can hit are, uh, you know, very, very nice looking. And that's why I'm backing Killian Dane in this one as he backs No way Jose up back to the turnbuckle. Noah Jose leapfrogs out the way of Killian Day in the clothesline. Now he's going to run, showing his power, flipping Noah Jose off. He catches himself on the apron, returns a forearm, now goes up top. Dane, just look at it like, is that it? Oh! Oh, double axe handle smash from the top by Noah Jose, though. Big boot sending Killian Dane tumbling between the ropes, yep. but 
the big man lands on his feet. That's when you can tell if he's dominant. Look at the look on his face now. Still at Noah Jose and say, you didn't hurt me. You just pissed me off and wait until I get back in the ring. But like we say, you've got Eric Young. You've got Alexander Wolfe as well. Whisper in his ears, we go to an ab break. Oh, he's got his uh, sanity teammates by his side, so he's not alone. But back after the break, Killian Dane has got himself in complete control. No real surprise. Noah Jose has to fight the big man, try and get a victory here. Will we see Roderick Strong? And uh, He's been a thorn in the side of sanity recently, hasn't he? He has indeed, yes. Uh, well, you know, on that note, will we see uh, Cassius Ono as well? Well, you know, so we'll see Ono once. Will we see him again? Would it be Ono 2-0? But we will wait and see as Dane is just going to take his time. Look at the power, just one strike. One strike by Dane takes a man of Noah Jose's size. Just It just completely destroys him. And now look at the elbows. <coughs> Dropping elbow after elbow onto the uh, sternum of Noah Jose. Just gonna... Driving the air out of his lungs. You're crushing him. You're crushing him. Check for inter- oh. internal injuries. And a running elbow drop there to emphasise what he's been doing. And now Dane. He does need to shave his back. Jose's big Jose man. the big man there sending Killian Dane a message. <laughs> you sound so much like Nigel McGuinness. As Killian Dane now looking to rip the head of No Way Jose's shoulders. And look at the talk of that. Look at the look at that. Heads aren't meant to bend that way. And the hair doesn't help, does it? Hair and beard. You can use that as an easy grip to try and rid off. Indeed, but Killian Dane is at the same disadvantage with hair and beard. Yeah, but I don't know if Jose's got the power to do that to Dane. But something's happening now. Well, he's got the power to fight out of what Dane's doing to him. Well, bringing the noise, bringing the funk. Oh, managing to fight back with a couple of strikes to the midsection, but gets pushed off by Killian Dane. Yeah, look at Dane. Straight up onto the big man's shoulders. Yeah, power, wastelands. Puts him down. Oh, Oh, running sent on there. You just squash him. You just squash him. He's playing with him at the moment. Killian Dane is looking at Noah Jose like some chocolate dessert. Straight back to it. Oh, my God. Look at the forearm strikes. Look at these, Dan. Straight across his chest. Man, you're just going to break it. You're going to break everything there. You're going to break his hymen. <laughs> Bloke's got that, right? Sternum. Going to break his sternum. And look at Dane signalling for the end there. You know what's different? Because he's got the two thumbs. He goes outwards with it. Dane just picking Noah Jose up on his shoulders. Going for an electric chair, perhaps. Oh, but Jose with the strikes to Killian Dane's head. Oh! Manages to get back to the ground and, uh, oh, he's rocking the big man with these big right hands. Well, Dane hasn't gone down yet, but we know how good Noah Jose's right hand is as he ducks, dodges, dives and hits. And uppercuts his way. Oh, but the big man refuses to go down after multiple strikes from Jose. And now he's chopping the big tree. Can he get him up? Oh, does he have the strength? But no, Killian Dane manages to power out of it and respond with a big right hand of his own. They're sending no way Jose to the turnbuckle. Now, big Irish rip by Killian Dane. Is he going to look to end this now? Comes running in like a steam train, but Jose moves out of the way. Oh! and He's hit with a... Big clothesline there. That was massive. And now can he finally power Dane up? He's got him. Look at that. Oh, TKO. And that is going to be it for Dane. Two, Two, four. The big man manages to kick out. Uh, 
But a great show of strength there by Noe Jose. Now he's trying to get the crowd on his side. Is he going to look for the big pop-up right hand? Winding it up. Oh, but gets caught with a headbutt that rocks Jose. And sends him in the corner. Oh, oh my days. A running drop kick there by Killian Dane. He's agile for a big fella. He is. That was Daniel Bryan-esque. As now he looks to pick up Noe Jose for the end. Oh, my God. What's he looking to do? Oh. Slams him down. Doesn't even bother hooking a leg. He doesn't need to. Killian Dane beats No Way Jose. And that man is a monster. Dan, what do you think of the match? I thought it was very impressive. You know, I wasn't expecting too much from the big fella. And uh, Killian Dane certainly put up, a, put up a performance. Didn't need his, didn't need his brethren at his side, you know. Uh, in the members of Sanity and managed to finish off Jose on his own. Yeah, they literally played no part in it. Uh, Noah Jose showed good power at one point, didn't he? Maybe for getting the job done. But like I say, Dane is an absolute monster. So we continue with our last episode of NXT. And it had been previously reported that NXT Women's Champion Oscar recently passed Goldberg's historic milestone of 173 victories without a loss. And she is still undefeated in singles competition. However, her lengthy reign as champion continues to make her accolades grow. As of today, June 15th, 2017, Oscar has held the NXT Women's Championship for 440 days. This surpasses Punk's historic reign of 434 days as WWE champion. Obviously not being champion. If she continues on her current path, she will eventually pass the longest reign by a champion ever, which is currently held by the New Day, as they held the WWE Tag Team Championships for 483 days. And what's interesting about that as well, if we try and work out the math, we're not great at maths, but 434 to 483, that's 50 days, yeah? Uh, The next NXT TakeOver special is in August, August 20th. So by my reckoning, that's, what, two months away? So that's 60 days. Barring Oscar doesn't lose then. So at NXT TakeOver, she will officially become the longest champion. The longest... It's hardly difficult difficult to say, isn't it? The the longest reigning champion of of all time. Well, especially with uh, current day WWE, of course, Bruno Sammartino and people like that. It's incredible by Oscar, isn't it, you know? Yes. Very incredible. It is. It's just fantastic. Incredible. That is. It's, no, it is. It's for someone, for a Japanese woman to be undefeated in WWE, you, you wouldn't be able to say that. You know what I mean? Especially, ah, no, especially a few years ago. You talk about undefeated wrestlers, the Giants and stuff like this. For Oscar to be able to do it, it I think it just transcends and shows how different the business is, uh, is going. And speaking of Oscar, she will be defending the Sea Women's Championship in our NXT update. So we move on to our last episode of NXT. And of course, I've forgotten the date, so I'll go back. Here's episode 397. It's Wednesday, the 14th of June. And tonight, Oscar defends her NXT Women's Championship against Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross in the Triple Threat Elimination match. Of course, this is the rematch from NXT TakeOver. Dan, what did you think of that match? Oscar just looked very dominant in the match, I think. You know, it, it wasn't too bad a match. But, you know, the way Oscar won... The match, I think that was a bit, made the other two look a bit weak. You know, pinning them both at the same time. 
especially after Ruby Riot was down for a little while. And then she finally hit the finisher on Nikki Cross and then pinned them both. You know, it did make Riot look a bit weak. Are you expecting a better match here tonight? Yes, seeing as though it's an elimination match, you know, it should, should see a good bit of one-on-one. Maybe even the two crazies are join up together, Scar. That would make the most sense, wouldn't it? Because I think that's the only way you are going to be Oscar, especially in NXT, if no one has come close as we see her entrance. And really, Dan, you have to see her entrance live to kind of appreciate how awesome she is. Especially if he comes over to the corner you're at and takes her mask off. That would just be incredible. Pictures and videos on Facebook and, of course, on YouTube. So we started off, Dan, with... Drew McIntyre going against Rob Rising. That is no relation to Terror Rising. It's not. And the fact is, I don't want to be too biased for my NXT coverage because we've watched every McIntyre match so far. So, for the betterment of the, of the podcast, I've decided not to watch it. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. And it gives me a chance to watch a couple next month as well. Yes, indeed. Uh, a great way to kick off NXT this week with the former WWE Intercontinental and TNA World Champion. Uh, Rising is deceptively tall, but that means McIntyre had to lift his foot up a bit higher to kick him in the face. Rising slapped McIntyre in the face, which sent him into a rage. Like every other match return, McIntyre picked up the win with the Claymore kick. Yeah, and our first match for next week was signed. Remember, will wrestle Peyton Royce. Anyway, so our next match was, Dan? Uh, the team of the t-shirt I'm wearing, mm-hmm. the tag team champions, the Authors of Pain, Big fuckers. Uh, they went up against Anthony Dominguez and Wilma Frade. So Razor and Akam celebrating their one-year anniversary took part in a squash match this week. I really should say Akam did since Paul Ellering had Razor stand outside and let Akam destroy both men. Akam pinned Dominguez with a Death Valley driver and after the match Razor got in and delivered a super collider to their foes. It was then time for an interview. Paul Ellering said heavy machinery is foolish as they are large. Ellering listed every team they defeated over the past year and said heavy machinery won't even be a footnote in the book of dominance. Yeah, but wait a minute. Out came heavy machinery for a confrontation and the four men looked ready for a fight, but Ellering pulled his men away. Undaunted by being turned down by Bobby Roode last week, Roderick Strong took to social media to state that he needs... Just one opportunity to beat Bobby Roode. <laughs> yeah, and Sonia Deville, the former Dariah UFC-style fighter. Next match. Next match was the Velveteen Dream going against Raul Mendoza. Boy, oh boy. Mendoza, who was last seen in the Cruiserweight Classic, was back to do battle with Velveteen Dream. Of course, Dream did not have much of a better reaction from the crowd than he had a few weeks ago in Chicago. Mendoza made a little bit of a comeback, but Dream laid him out with a rolling Death Valley driver and run with a top rope elbow. Broadcaster Caleb Braxton, who has less followers than the WNR podcast, might I add? Yes, and the one I got confused with, uh, Charlie Crusoe. I thought it was Charlie Crusoe, but it's not. Yeah, it's Caleb Braxton. Caleb Braxton did a great job in NXT. Wasn't I the one that figured out her name for you? Yeah, you did figure it out. And we've been calling Akam and Razar the wrong guys for the past yeah, it's year Re- and a half. Razar and Akam. Ray's not got got well, Akam's got the tattoo. Big fuckers, huh? Big fuckers. Oh, the, I mean, watch the video on YouTube or see the pictures on Facebook. Of course, if you do WWE Network review there and subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel. I forget to say it every time, but yeah, you can see how big and intimidating they are. 
Yeah, broadcaster Caleb Baxter interviewed Cassius Ono in regards to what happened last week with Hideo Itami. Uh, of course, you know what happened. Atami was hitting only only Lorcan with uh, three, not one, three, not two. <laughs> not two, only one, only two, no, three GTSs, and Ono came out, and he said Ono said he sunk to Tommy's level. Tommy's not a bad guy, but Ono's going to get his own aggression out next week by wrestling Alistair Black. Is that is that such a good idea? Well, What's Alistair Black done wrong? That's the thing. Is Ono supposed to be a face, but? Black teamed up with yeah, Black against the Hills. Black Black's a good guy. You would expect Itami versus Black maybe to make a bit of sense. Ono versus, why don't you just stick him against CN? Who, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, <sighs> breaking news, John Cena is a free agent and will be on SmackDown July the 4th. Where could he end up? Would it be on Raw versus Reigns for SummerSlam? Will he stay on SmackDown to face Mahal uh, for the WWE Championship? The possibilities are endless. India against USA. Oh, my oh. word. Wow. But we we'll f- shall find out. Roman Reigns has got a big announcement on Raw. We don't know what that's concerning. And Seth Rollins has now said he's got a big announcement on Raw. And I've got a big announcement on Raw as well. <laughs> yeah, just, that, just, everybody's got a huge yeah. announcement. I've got a massive, huge, long, direct announcement. What did you think of the Samoa Joe Brock Lesnar thing on Raw? That happened last week. That it's... altercation, I thought it was good. It made both men look like monsters. You know, look very strong. They had to have the whole locker room come out and break them up. Not just a handful of referees coming out and security guards. That's, you know, you don't mean business when they come out, but when the locker room comes out, that's when you know it means business. Yeah, and the great thing is Lesnar didn't squash Joe, did he? They both took each other down. Fair fight, Joe caught him with a fucking brutal super kick when uh, Lesnar was down as well. So, no, it was all good. So we move on. So it's main event time. So NXT Women's Championship. Dan, it might be an easy question, might be an obvious question. Oscar. Okay. But what does either the other women have to do if they want to win this? Uh, they have to team up, even though they're foes. But I think for the greater good of them both winning the NXT title or having more of a chance to win the NXT women's title, they've got to team up and both try and take out Oscar, which won't be an easy feat. No, I mean, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Would that be correct here? And like you say, the women's title on the line. And to beat Oscar, you're going to need to try something because she is so dominant of course, successfully defending her women's title along the way. Not the kind of these champions that just stay at home, not defending. Oscar is out there every day. Not like other champions, I can't say. And oh, look Bobby at this. Ruby Riot and Oscar. Like, off the plane, they don't defend the titles all the time. They did when we saw them live. Oh, okay. Apart- the only fucking person in NXT <laughs> that didn't defend their title when we saw them live in Brighton was James. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Roode, yeah, Even the fucking WWE UK champion was defended. Well, speaking of, of NXT champions, Oscar's now taken over this match, drop kicking Nikki Cross down. Bit of a crazy start, but yes, Dan, you're right. Oscar is is one of those people that will defend her title against whomever. Unlike Bobby Roode, whom? Oh my God, look at this now. As I predicted, they're teaming up against her. Oh, that was a fucking good call from you, James. I mean, you know, you must have been looking at the odds for this match and thought, what would they have to do to beat Oscar? Uh, oh, yeah. Team oh, up. but wait. Ruby Wright is trying to roll up Nikki Cross, but can only get a one. One. And look how crazy Cross is. If it's a one-on-one match between these two, who are you going for? Nikki Riot. I think in a one-on-one, to answer my own question, in a one-on-one match, I think Nikki Cross at the moment has got a little bit more momentum than Ruby Riot. I would say Riot coming off a slight injury against Oscar, even though these are tapings beforehand. Just taking over this match and Oscar out the ring, it would be an easy pinfall. 
and Oscar's back in the ring and back in full control. Well, Oscar trying to gain some momentum there with a big kick to Ruby Riot, and she's going to try to finish her off now. Ruby dodges out of the way, managing to go up top, and a beautiful hurricane runner, and that sends Oscar to the outside. Can Ruby capsize? Wait, no! Nikki Cross back in now, and now she's trying to get a quick pinfall. No, only a one. Back to their feet, and Ruby Riot, oh, responds with a beautiful kick. Can she get the pin? No, Cross managing to kick out. Oscar comes running in, looking to kick right across the chest, but Wright can stands up and gives Oscar a few chops. I mean, Oscar's not looking as impressive in this match as we've seen her. Ah, well, it might be an overconfidence. You see the cocky attitude as she came out here as well. I mean, she doesn't think anybody is in her league anyway, so anything... You know, there is no challenge. She just thinks it's easy, and maybe that will be the downfall of her. We've seen what she's been like with Ember Moon, and she's seen what she's been like with Ruby Riot and Nikki Cross. Is she going to look to try and kick Ruby Riot? Oh, no. Nikki Cross grabs her leg, drags her out of the ring, and now she starts working on Oscar. I mean, Oscar barely has an inch to breathe before she's got someone else accosting her and trying to take her out. Now, accosting Oscar, and now comes Ruby Riot. Oh! Oh, comes out and. Kicks them both as she runs off the mat. And watch your head, Ruby, and it bounced off the uh, <laughs> the hard steel. I mean, we know how thin those mats are there. Oh, I know. See James's pitch up for more details. Yeah, I mean, pictures on Facebook, of course. You want to see the uh, videos are up on YouTube as well. As these three women are down fighting for the biggest prize in NXT, the NXT Women's Championship. That's like Oscar on the back foot a little bit. Ruby Wright trying to capitalise now. But it could go anyway. We all know, you know, these three women are crazy. We've said it before. All right, trying to take Nikki Cross off uh, from the top, take Nikki Cross out from the top rope. But Cross runs towards her. Right, jumps over the top and delivers a hellacious kick, sending Cross back into the corner. And now she goes up top for attempt number two. But Oscar jumps on the apron and pushes Ruby right off. And now she's going to hit the offensive move off the top onto. Nikki! Oh, but Nikki Cross manages to duck underneath. Oscar hits nothing but Matt. And what's Nikki got now? Oh, the spinning fish for woman suplex. Oh. But Oscar wisely rolling <laughs> to the outside to avoid getting pinned. Well, Oscar knew. Right. Trying to pick up on a downed Nikki Cross. Oh. Oh. Fucking hell. Delivers a hellacious belly to back. And this has been a. This is, Less Oscar, more Cross and Riot, but they've been impressing. Shag, marry, avoid. Avoid Ruby Riot. Uh, Shag, Nikki Cross, marry Oscar. Uh, Nikki Cross, uh, because obviously just Shag her, you wouldn't want her because she's crazy. She'll end up chopping your cock off just for one night. It'd be yeah, fine. but that's the thing though. Like, you're getting a blowjob off her. You don't know whether your cock's going to get bitten off or she's going to suck Look her. at Ruby Riot. Look at the state of her. Does that <laughs> oh, same yeah, thing could happen? Is that the same Riot. thing? With Oscar... Hang on a minute. With Oscar, you marry her, think the protection. You'd never be bothered in your life. So, Dan, same question to you. Snob, um, marry, avoid, cross, riot, Oscar. I'd avoid Ruby Riot for obvious <laughs> reasons. Yeah. I'd snog Oscar. Actually, I'd, I'd have a good finger banging and probably shag her because I want to see how tight the Asian pums are. And I'd marry Nikki Cross because I like a crazy bit. Oh, that's nice. But she's Scottish. So then you would have, your children would be a bit Scottish. Would you right. want that? It's like being disabled. That's <laughs> what you do. If they, they come out with Down syndrome, <laughs> I'd still love them just as much. I'd love them more than they would coming out with kilts and bagpipes. But I'm brewing the bottles. And that's what happens in Scotland. Anyway, so, looks like Nikki Cross has just suplexed Ruby right to oblivion, trying to get her pinned. Well, she got a spinning net breaker off the top rope, goes for the cover. 
And she got and it. Riot's been eliminated. Oh, I know Ruby went through the ringer, but there you go. Nikki Cross wins. Well, not wins, so. Well, I think she does win, so I'm going to correct myself yet again. She wins a bit of this rivalry between the two, the one-upmanship and Nikki Cross headbutting Ruby one-up Riot. One-up-womanship. Yeah, the womanship trying to get her out of the ring. But now it's Oscar and Cross. Another advert for Money in the Bank, MITB. Nikki Cross. We come back and she's just slapping Oscar around, but is this the best idea? Uh, you don't want to slap an Oscar. She's cray-cray. She isn't. Just face-to-face now and say, is that all you've got? And now fighting back with the forearms herself. But we know how Nikki Cross is crazy. Are both our future wives here? Oh, my God. Bidding back fist, that was. And then a spinning heel kick there, taking Nikki off her feet. Oscar's gonna kill you. Picks her up for that power in the German. Bridges out, goes for the cover of two. Oh, oh, but Cross managing to kick out. Ah, the Japanese woman hitting the German on the Scots woman, trying to get the pin. And now look at Oscar with those kicks to the ample chest of Nikki Cross. Uh, oh, Cross, poked to the eyes. Sets her up for that suspension spinning neck breaker that she finished Ruby right off, but Oscar slips down the other side of the ring ropes. Oh, kick to the chest and now kick to the back of the head as well. Better alive. And now they're both on the apron. Oh, oh kick straight across Nikki's head. Well, you better ask her if she's all right. Here comes Oscar off the apron. Oh, oh the butt bump off the ring apron there, sending... Cross to the mat and bouncing her head off them very, very wafer-thin mats, which has just got pure concrete underneath. Nikki Cross may be out if Oscar throws her back in, finish her off. Well, she's given her a few headbutts to rattle around her brain a bit more. Maybe Oscar's got annoyed by Nikki Cross, the fight in her, and now taking it to the, uh, taking it to the crowd, the barricades there, and there's Dan's girlfriend in the front row. Oh, look at these two fighting on the steel ramp. Nearly as bad as being on his protective mat stand, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's just still... Oh, my word, though. Oh, an Irish, rap, uh, an Irish whip into the ramp bit there, and that is solid metal. Oh, and now both women are going backstage. Where are they buggering off to? And what's the referee going to do? Oh, he's got no choice. He has to finger bang it. He has to say no. It's over. No contest. So only, uh, it only really hurt Ruby Riot then, who's uh, <laughs> yeah. not, not a part of it at the moment. And we see Tomato Phillips, Percy Watson... And and we see Nigel McGuinness. Uh, how, are you, how are you doing, Nigel? Uh, I'm doing very well, thank you, James. It's great to be here alongside the great podcasting duo of Jack White. Just a pair of legends you two are. But the action does continue backstage with Ruby Riot. No, with Nicky Cross and Oscar. Uh, Dan, have you met Nigel McGuinness before? I've, I've never met the man. No, he, he, he looks like a top geezer. Brilliant Englishman and a credit to the NXT commentary team. Oh, wow. I mean, I've, I've never. It's nice that you two can finally meet. Nigel, what do you think of Dan? I think he's a great guy. He's the best looking one in the WNL podcast team. And I'd just like to hear more of him. Oh, okay. No, well, thank you, Nigel. Dan, thank Nigel and he sent him on his way. Thank you, Nigel. See you later, mate. <laughs> right. See you later, Dan. So, yeah, we are backstage and it is Oscar and Nikki Cross and they're brawling. Oh, my God, near the loading dock. Oh, and a, How ch- you know that? And a chop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing here. Oh, there's no parking there, Nikki. That's a dumpster area. Well, she gets thrown into the <laughs> gets thrown into the side, and you can see the uh, the, the cut. standing on her tits. Oh my god! And what moment we just had here in the podcast? And what moment backstage? These two still fighting. Oscar's gonna Irish whip Nikki. Oh, oh, well, that Irish whip is still loading. Oh, and look at the guy now coming out, checking what's going on. 
And Nikki Cross standing over Oscar. As she finally found a way to better the undefeated longest reigning champion of all time. I ever. think, yeah, out crazy Nikki. Uh-oh. Oh, no, but Oscar's managed to find her feet <laughs> as she's just bouncing Nikki Cross's head off that loading bay door. I mean, how many times have you seen that? <laughs> I've never seen that before with two women. Oh, going back in. And this is this is This is hardcore title reminiscent back in the day. Oh, they're back in the changing rooms, and I think there's a few other competitors there. Oh, yeah, there's Liv Morgan. I can't see Numph. Oh, my God, Oscar. Cross trying to drown Oscar. There's like a, a drinks holder there, the water. And now you add the water with the cold. So it must be, she must be freezing at the moment. And now she's getting choked out. Nikki Cross whispering sweet nothings in her ear. Three oh, well, referees not helping at the moment. They're not even touching them. That's the one that was dancing as well. Hey, The dancing ref. And they've come back out here now as well. Not out here in... Not, not here. Oh, they've come back into the arena and... Nikki sends Oscar into the announce table. The announce have to move. Oh, now Oscar, not one to be outdone, bouncing Cross's head off the announce table, and Cross stumbles around for a bit, then falls on her backside. But I would say this is the most punishment I've seen Oscar taking in, a, well, I know it's not a match anymore, but in one amount of time against anybody. Nikki Cross, very impressive. She's a little bit of trouble now. But, yeah, again, to her credit, Oscar takes, she absorbs all the punishment that she gets, and then she delivers out. Equally yeah, 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 amount yeah. of punishment <laughs> yeah. back to Nikki Cross. Oh, and now Nikki finally getting some offence in all. Oh, some big right hands there to the chest and to the jaw. And then across the back of Oscar's head, rakes her nails down the back of Oscar. I mean, we've said it for a little while now, but is this cementing Nikki Cross's place as the leader of Sanity? I think it is indeed. She's looking fantastic here tonight. She doesn't need no men telling her what to do either. And now her and Oscar, well, near the sound technician. We don't usually see this area. Very precarious. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Well, where's she going? Oh, going up. And they're on the table now, and Nikki and Oscar fighting. Exchanging blows there. On top of a table. Oscar in a very precarious position. Oh, she's nearly off. Nikki Cross. Oh! oh. With a cross body on Oscar, <laughs> sending her crashing through a couple of tables. Oh, my God. Holy shit. Look at them knockers. Oh, my knockers. Oh, my God. They must have fallen 12 feet to At the... At least 15, 20, 30 feet. Honestly, through the tables to the hard concrete floor. I mean, Nikki's got some padding, but we see a replay here. They both disappear from shot, and Oscar's feeling the full effects of that. Well, is this one way to beat the reigning... NXT Women's Champion. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I mean, Nikki nearly missing the table there. Well, so, as we say, you know, it's after this match, it was announced that they're going to have a last woman standing match, but neither of them are going to be standing for a long while after this. No, both women. I think bringing the best out of each other as well. I think this is the best Oscars looks in a while. And the best Nikki's looks as well. Yeah, I think Nikki's just getting stronger and stronger each week. As referees, the Robbie Brooks side, people are out here. William Regal. But I've not seen an end of NXT like this before, Dan. I don't know no. about you. Uh, well, not since uh, DIY broke up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, fair enough. All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. So right to, yeah. No, but do you know what? An NXT weekly show like this, I think they're... <laughs> I'd reword it <laughs> yeah, just in exactly, your favour yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't think we've seen anything like this in a long, long time. No, nah, both women look certainly looking a bit worse for wear after that match. No, but incredible. It wasn't a bad match, though, was it? I mean, it did nah. break down. But uh, are you looking forward to the last women's standing match? Most definitely. Yeah. If it's anything like the ending of this match, it's going to be a brilliant, brilliant competition between the two women. Yeah, no, it's going to be fantastic. So what have you thought of NXT in this past month? <laughs> a bit of an unfair question because it's been this month. But yeah, what have you thought of NXT? I think it's been great. <laughs> Better than 205? Uh, marginally, yeah, because, you know, especially what happened on this latest episode, seeing it live as well, I think that helped an awful lot. I know it doesn't count towards the NXT weekly show, but you saw it live, so fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you look at the rise of um, of, of Drew McIntyre, like he's doing at the moment, going through the opponents, building no his way up. Uh, the way DIY, uh, DIY, sorry, the way the authors of pain are dominant as well, and they look like they're going to head on to heavy machinery. The women's championship is, is, is in NXT is looking as good as it has ever had. Uh, questions remain who will challenge Bobby Roode. Looks like maybe Roderick Strong, but we'll find out. But yeah, seeing NXT live this month and then being able to watch it on the network, it's, it's just all gravy, baby. You know, it's been, it's been brilliant. And we look forward to doing our next NXT update as we've done. We should say, though, matches, I mean, the ending of that match between Oscar and, and Nikki Cross was really, really good. But I've got to say, my favourite match maybe of this month was Tazar versus Kendrick, 205 Live, the hardcore match, Dan. Is that what you think? That was a bloody great match, yeah. Yeah. Anywho, that is it. Anything else to add with news or NXT 205 Live? No way Jose retweeted me. <laughs> oh, no, he liked my tweet. Do just want to say this quickly. Thank you for everybody uh, this past weekend, this past week or so since our trip to NXT. It has been fantastic. I'll just give you some of the numbers. Some of the numbers. So we put up the podcast, Podcast Extra. Had over 5,000 listens in a week. Right, which is incredible. Of course, we put all our uh, videos and everything out on YouTube. Just look, uh, this is the Oscar versus Ember Moon match. And how many views, Dan? Uh, 1,096 views. Yeah, and if you include all the other ones that we've had, we've had over 2,000 views on YouTube with the NXT clips as well. But the Ember Moon Oscar one uh, has just gone itself. I mean, this is really become people watching it and they're commenting, commenting, comment, I can't say the word. Commenting. They are commenting on it, Dan. They are indeed. Yeah, Andrew Rodriguez said, I thought the match was a good finish, but uh, I would like to see Oscar use a finisher, full of finish, and of course, in the match, it was uh, Ember Moon grabbing a... T- uh, Oscar grabbing Ember Moon's tights, wasn't it? Costing it. Uh, but no, just a big thank you. I mean, it's incredible. Our support just gets better every week, doesn't it, Dan? It does you know? indeed, yes. And it's obviously a good thing for us, because... We continue to carry on as long as you continue to listen. Yeah, I mean, when we're, we're going across YouTube, pictures are up there as well. Uh, and SoundCloud and in, on iTunes, our podcast. It's just going to get bigger and better. I mean, it's, it's a great year, 1997, for professional wrestling. And that's what we're going to look back on uh, in the upcoming months. We've got your Randy Orton special. It's coming out soon. Wrestling's most ridiculous. The Montreal screw job. Uh, and then we've got the live episodes as well, two live episodes in August, of course, Phoenixy Takeover and for SummerSlam as well. So we're just building the building. We'd just like to thank everybody for your comments and your views and your list. Uh, we are on Twitter, at WWE Network with you, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We're also on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, you can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network review, or you can come and find me, I am Vince McDan. We're on Google Plus, the WWE Network View. Send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to the WWE Network View podcast. Watch all our latest videos. The podcasts go up the same time on YouTube as they do on other places now, like SoundCloud. On your phone. 
We're on Stitcher Radio. We've got our latest live episodes on Spreaker. And, of course, iTunes, where you can subscribe, download, rate, and review. There. It's getting along, Rev. She said, I have been James Rowlands, and as always, I was joined. Bye. Damn right. Thanks, everybody, Anne. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>